Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Join Rabbit and Red Radio Network on Patreon for exclusive shows, content, swag, and more. For the low price of $2 per month, you can join the family. So check us out at patreon.com slash network one That's patreon.com slash network the number one. Once again, to another episode of Living in the Past, I am Mr. Wonderful Rob Mahoney. And I'm Big Daddy Paul. Big Daddy Paul. That's a V, but you know. And uh, tonight, it's wrestling. But not Attitude Era or Monday Night Wars wrestling. That That's for another time. This is late 70s and 80s territory wrestling which was a whole different beast than what we got today. Yes, and um, territory wrestling to me is still like the go-to wrestling when it comes to what I want to, what I really would love to have back 
but I know in reality, you know, where Vince owns the world. Well, now well, that's another subject, by the way. But um, I, I miss the old school wrestling, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and uh, maybe bring some uh, cool memories back for everybody. Yes, because like like you said, this is <clears throat> this is a time in the world in the history of wrestling we can't get back. Um, I'll discuss later where I think they could get close to it again if they tried. But for right now, I'm just under the impression that this is, you know, the old ways is the old ways and it's never coming back. But it was, it was a, I don't want to say it was a simpler time because it was, but it was, you still had all that, you know, you could still do certain things back in the day. You could, you know, people don't like to do now. They don't want to upset people like, you know, we, we, we're not going to do anything like you could have, you know, a Chinese group and the American group and, you know, down with China, but now you can't do that or down with yeah. Russia. But back in the day, you could get away with a little more. And it just, it just felt, it felt real. They, they put, they put themselves into it to where nowadays somebody else, but well, I'll get to that too when the time's right here, but, but I'm going to start. How old were you when you saw wrestling for the very first time? I was uh, nine going on 10. I was uh, flipping through channels and uh, a little promotion called AWA popped up. And the very first, I can remember the very first wrestler I ever saw was uh, Nick Botwinkle. Uh, And Nick Botwinkle was your average classic wrestler. Same same kind of error as like a Bruno San Martino type wrestler. And Botwinkle was was nasty, and uh, I, I just remember being so appealed to it, you know. But this is back in the day that you, every everything we thought was real back then, you know. And right. uh, so uh, these guys were like larger than life to me. I was sitting there going, like, "Wow, I want to do this one day." And you know, and ever since then, I mean, I've been a, a fan since that day, and. Uh, I think I'll always be a fan till the day I die, really. Yeah, uh, Bachwinkle was one of those wrestlers where he was tough, <clears throat> he was skilled, but he looked like your grandfather because he was yeah. a little older. But he, the way he, I loved his interviews because he was he spoke well. He didn't look like just some guy from the south, or he had an intelligence. He would talk to you with intelligence, sort of like you know, like Mister Perfect in them, you know, where it was like he spoke. He didn't just get up there and scream and holler at you. He, and he yeah. would use words that you need a thesaurus to figure out what he was saying because you'd never heard it. That I yeah. like. That's what I liked about Nick Bockwinkel. He was uh, uh, an intelligent man. He came off as a, you know, I know my shit. I'm better than you, and that's and that's how his package worked too. Because everybody yeah, and, like, uh, yeah, and back then too, like everybody knew how to uh, cut a good promo, and everybody knew how to wrestle. I mean. That's kind of a lost art today is where, like, you can pretty much be a jack-of-all-trades. Right. But back then, it was this, it was wrestling. Nowadays, it's just spots. They got to get yeah. their spots in. I got to make sure I get that dive off the rope, or I got to make sure that I dive over the rope. I mean, back in the day, even in the, you know, even in the 80s, you know, when The Undertaker did his old school move, yeah, he always did the catwalk on the rope. But it wasn't like he was doing, you know, 20 different spots in a show. And it's just nowadays it's so it's too choreographed for me. I know it's always been choreographed, but yeah. now it's like they spend hours and days working on these matches. And 
Back in the day, these two guys weren't even in the same locker room. The match yeah. got put together in the ring, and they would talk to each other and give each other cues and say things, and they could build up a whole hour-long match and never see each other. Where nowadays, they it, you know they spend days putting together a 10-minute match. Yep. Uh, back then, and, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, back then, you know, um, there was no drama. There was no, like, uh, flash. Everything was, like like I said, everything looked real and legit on TV. And you think thinking to yourself, man, I, like, I'd be, like, sore as hell after that match. But now today it's all about, you know, storylines and who took whose woman. And back then they didn't have that stuff. They, you know, they let the wrestling do the talking in the ring. Right. And it was all, you know, I don't think they started bringing up women and, and, and that until, if I can recall, Ric Flair really got into that where because he was hot. He was styling and profiling and he always had ladies, but it fit. But it fit. Yeah. But I think the only storyline he ever had was with this female wrestler called Baby Doll. And yes. that was, you know, but but I don't other than that, he always would have women and stuff and he'd talk to the ladies in the crowd. But you never really saw too many wrestlers get their 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 wives or girlfriends involved back in the day. I mean, if you ask an old school wrestler, that was the one thing you kept your wife as far away as possible. I mean, hey, yeah. Watcher Man used to lock Elizabeth in the closet. So I mean no, which is why I never understood why he wanted her in the business anyway, but eh, it's how it goes. But yeah. I just first time I saw it, I think I was there was an older relative of mine who who was watching it. And I because I don't remember, I was very young, I maybe six or seven. And I watched it, and, and the one thing that happened that made me that I look back on now, I was a little confused. On he did an Irish whip, and the guy hit the rope, came back, and took a clothesline. And I thought, why didn't he just grab the rope? I mean, why didn't he just yeah. stop? Running? So those were little things that, at the time, I mean, I thought, why didn't he just grab the rope? But then you're like, but he got clothesline, so I didn't care because that looked cool. And as I got older, I would remember that. And then once the cat got out of the bag, I was like, see, I knew something fishy was going on here, but I just I wasn't sure. But even when I found out wrestling was all scripted and staged, I I have this ability in my head to dis to suspend belief. I can live in a fantasy world. I I have a hard time doing it now, but even in the during the Attitude Era when we knew it wasn't real, I still enjoyed it because they were still yeah. giving us great stories, and you still had doubt. I mean, just the only I'm going to bring up one thing just as a comparison. You know, nowadays, you know, it's all scripted and everything. Back in the, at, during the, there's a wrestler called Scott Steiner. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yes. I thought he, I thought he hated everybody. So I used to think, you know, this might be real because Steiner's really saying some personal stuff about Flair. So you would think it was real. Then he find out years later, he really did hate Ric Flair. So yeah. even in the, even during the Attitude Era, we could still get a little bit of, eh, the wrestling we knew wasn't real, but if these guys really hate each other, it makes for a good story. Now they're all buddy buddies taking pictures at the Leaning Tower of Pisa and having a good time. But back then, they still kind of stayed separated. They didn't go yeah. on talk shows together, so it still felt <clears throat> I could I could suspend belief in okay, he really hates him, and you know, but now I can't do that anymore. 
Yeah, um, to, to piggyback off what you said about the Irish whip, the first time I ever saw two wrestlers do a crisscross and like just keep passing each other, and then one would drop down and the other one would jump over. I'm like, why didn't he just jump on him? He was on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, used to, you know, I used to just, but it, you would start to think, what is he doing? And then yeah. something would happen, and you'd forget about all that. Be like, oh, he got hit hard, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's how that, you know. Because <laughs> this used to be wrestlers used to speak. I I don't know if this language is still floating around out there. Because you know, day new day and age, but carnivals had this thing called carny speak, where they spoke in a code where no one, unless you were in worked for the carnival or raised in a carnival family, you had no idea what these guys were saying. Yeah. So that's how wrestlers used to do. It was like they would talk like the carny people so they could do stuff and, you know, get away with it. And then they, you know, in the carnival days, they would have this, you could win $10 if you beat this guy, but it was all staged. There was, they were, they were like really beating you and stretching you and you would lose, but there was always a plant in the audience who eventually would come out, beat the guy, just so people would be like, oh, I can win this. Here's my dollar. Let me try. And, yeah. you know, so it, 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 <clears throat> it's smoking. Wrestling's always been about smoke and mirrors, always. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the, the closest thing to, I guess, Carney now would be like uh, the Usos kind of have their own language where they would call everybody Us. Oh, like, what's up, Us? Yeah, but, I'm like, what is the ooze like? But you, then you realize, oh, that's that's their last name. But like, they use that term for a lot of different things, not just for people, but for situations too. And right. so I, I think that they're the only ones that kind of have like their own lingo, where only they know what you're talking about, and everyone else is like, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, but back. So, but the cool thing about back in the day. Is the ter- how the territories are broken down because you had one you had one group, uh, the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA. They're around now. Uh, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins bought it, and he's yeah. brought it back, and it's actually really good. If you watch it, you can watch it on. It used to be on YouTube. Now you can still watch stuff of theirs, but they have an agreement with I think Fight TV. I'm not sure who they have an agreement with, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's at midnight. It's on on some cable stations. I uh, can't remember right what now. Matt Cardona is the NWA champ. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Zach Ryder. Yeah, he's he's their champ now. So, but it's a good product. I really like it. But um, back in the day, it was a blanket. The NWA because National Wrestling Alliance. You know, Mexico had their own. You know. I don't know if I don't know if Canada was part of the NWA. They might have been. And then you had overseas, but you had certain guys who were in control, and you had an NWA champ. Now each territory had their own champion, but yeah. the NWA champions they would go around the country and go to the different territories, so you didn't get burned out on them. Like yeah. as much as John Cena entertained me, sometimes I'm like, not him again. So at least back in the day, you'd see the champ. He'd be in there for a couple shows and leave. But all the wrestlers rotated. You'd start yeah. here in this territory. Then you'd go up northwest, and then you'd stay there. Then you'd go to Canada. Then you'd come down. And, you know, I have a picture. I have a picture that uh, I sent. Uh, 
Michael J. I don't know if he's got it. Um, an old school wrestling poster, I do believe, from 1980. There it is. And if you look, it still says WWF Champions, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Yeah, owned uh, by Vince Senior. Yeah, because Vince Senior was a very close friend to uh, Eddie Graham, who ran Florida. So yeah. he would send the WWF guy down there to wrestle. But that's an old poster, as you can see, from 1980. So Vince Sr. still owned it then. It wasn't Vince Jr. hadn't got his hands on the company in 80. It came came a little later. But, you know, that I see, these are the posters I used to see hanging up all over, over the place, except it would be for Georgia. But you'd see the same wrestlers. If you're going to go wrestle in Florida, you're going to make a stop at Georgia Championship Wrestling. You're going to make a stop in Smoky Mountain. You're going to you're going to make a stop in the territories as you work your way back up north. And that's what I liked about wrestling. I didn't get burned out. I didn't see the same matches over and over and over. If I went and saw Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, I might not see them wrestle again for months. Yeah. For months. And that made for a better – I enjoyed that more than nowadays where it's the same two guys week after week after week after week. Well, because they didn't travel together either. Like sometimes, like when Dusty Rhodes was in Georgia, Ric Flair might be somewhere else. And so they would only cross paths very briefly when Ric Flair would jump to Georgia. Then Dusty was actually moving somewhere else. So that was the good thing is that it always kept the, the product fresh because you were pl uh, facing different people all the time and not the right. same not the same Brock Lesnar versus uh, Roman Reigns every uh, pay-per-view. Right. And, and and back then, they didn't call them pay-per-views. Um, they were special events. They would yeah. they would do a couple of them a year. You really you always got a live super show around Thanksgiving, and you always got a good big super show around Christmas. And then there might be one in the summer, but they only did a few a few super shows a year. Through, yeah. Between two and four, depending on how big the the territory was, um, like Texas, I think they would do like just one super show a year, and they would do it in the stadium. But I didn't live out there, so I don't know. All I know is about what you know, what I can remember, what I think I read. Sometimes what I think I read is not what I read. So yeah. you know, like the whole Berenstain Bears thing. Sometimes you think something and you're wrong. But I do believe they only used to like the Von Eric family who owned the, the a territory in Texas. I think yeah, they uh, world did, world class championship yeah, wrestling. I think they only did one <laughs> super show a year, and usually at the super show, you know, it was always the the main event was always the Von Erichs, you know, versus somebody uh, 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 the the uh Freebirds or you know the whole family, and then the Four Horsemen or Ric Flair. It was always something. <laughs> I never. The only time I got to see anything WCCW was when they got bought by Vince. And yeah. I got to watch their stuff on the network. And then I bought the DVD, uh, The Rise and Fall of the WCCW. And the, it's a sad story. I mean, they all they all committed suicide, but one, it, it's just sad story. Sad story. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that was actually the second uh, federation I saw before I started watching WWF. Um, <clears throat> we had a station that would play uh, once a week, uh, w WCCW. And I got introduced to guys like like the Von Erics, the Freebirds, Kamala, uh, gentleman Chris Adams, um, the Missing Link. I mean, uh, Iceman King Parsons. Like these guys, like became a staple. I'd watch that show weekly. 
until I actually found that uh, WWF had a Sunday morning show at that time. And uh, so I was I, I kind of went back and forth for a little bit. But those were the those were the times that you can't relive again because because of Vince, you know, the, the territories end up kind of breaking all up and see Vince Sr. wouldn't have, wouldn't have, I, there's many people that say Vince Sr. wouldn't have done what Vince did because he had a good relationship with the owners of uh, the territories but you know Vince Jr. he wanted to rule the world and I, I kind of blame him for the, the breakup of the territories Yeah, I mean everybody says change is inevitable and change is good but I think the territory should have been left alone because we would have got more uh, when there's just one for for the longest time before AEW and when Ring of Honor was just a small territory in, in Minnesota and TNA hadn't come yet, Vince had it all and there was no place to go. And we only yeah. had, you know, so competition is good. And the territories, but see the territory, we could have kept territories around and they could have competed, but they don't, they didn't get that opportunity because I get once we started getting cable and all that stuff, the territories were going to start having issues because when we, you were young, everything was kept hush hush. Like somebody from the Northeast could lose their belt down in the South. But by the time they came back Northeast, they would have their belt back. So you never knew they lost it, but a little kid in Alabama may have been happy because his guy was the champ for two weeks and then lost it right back to him in the rematch. And then he went home to the Northeast. So you would know that he did lose his belt for two weeks, but yeah. that kid would, and I missed that. Now, once the internet and all this, eventually territories would have had problems keeping it a secret, you know. But they could have still changed to the new. They could have still changed to the way territories were. They could have changed it up and made it more modern, but kept the territories. Yeah. But it's hard to do. Uh, Jim Crockett promotions and Vern Gagne and someone else did a super show trying to beat Vince and they failed. And from what everything that I've seen and heard in interviews, the reason they failed at this super show is because each of those owners didn't want their guys to lose. Well, if you have that many egos and no one wants to lose, you're going to get nowhere fast. So if people as long as owners were going to be like, no, no, my guys can't lose. We would have, the territories would have fallen apart anyway. Even though Vince did what he did, they would have eventually fallen apart anyway. Cause ego, some people always will put money before ego. I would very much rather have the money. Screw my ego. Give me some money. So it's a shame. It's a shame. These guys, you know, do it would have thrown it all away. I mean, I'm just speculating, but I'm assuming they would have just they would have th- thrown it all the way because they would have, you know, well, my champion's better than your champion, and he looks better than your champion, so I don't want to lose. Yeah, but my champion's been champion longer. I don't want him losing. And yeah, you're, what are you gonna do? So, well, uh, you were talking about uh, Canada before having a region. Um, they had uh, Stampede Wrestling. Yeah, that uh, was Br- Bret Hart's dad. Yeah, Stu Hart ran that one, and man, some tough son of a bitches came out of that uh, that promotion. And well, you uh, had to be it's freaking cold. Oh, yeah, huh. yeah. If anybody knows the Stu Hart dungeon stories, you, yeah, 
you had to be a tough son of a bitch because Stu Hart, he didn't care if it was his kid or his kid's best friend. You're going to get beat in that dungeon. Oh, and yeah. Stu was one of those old school in your face guys. And he would tell his own kids like, you know, you're not you're not you're not ready for this. He, 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 can, he didn't care if you were his kid. You were going to get beat and you're going to learn the right way. And see, that's the thing that I don't know. People could, people don't know. Like uh, I was just watching some about Lex Lex Luger the other day, where Hiro Matsuda was his trainer, and they would turn off the air conditioner and do all this stuff and make you sweat your ass off. He would sit on top of them and make them do push-ups. She said Stu Hart would stretch you and put you in all these holds to and see until you give up, try to break your arm. And it always amazed me how hard they trained you to do a staged event. It's like yeah. they, 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 a wrestler may have been staging everything and choreographing the whole match, but the way they used to be trained, they could rip your arm off. Yeah. Well, because Stu was a, he was a student of the sport. He, he, yeah. he didn't just teach you how to wrestle. He taught you how to take the falls too. Yeah. And so, then you had like, another, yeah, and go ahead. And you had a, you had the other one who was a, uh, an NCAA collegiate wrestler and taught you hard holds. Not as rough as Stu, but he was still rough. And that was Vern Gagne out of Minnesota, yeah. your your AWA. He was a tough old man, too. Yes. I mean, back in those days, uh, I don't think trainers today could ever get a, a, away with the stuff that they did back then because, you know, today the whole world has become, in a way, soft. Uh, yes. not, just, not just vocally, but I think professionally, too. So, like, guys like Stu and Vern, I don't think they could be doing the same things today as they were doing back then. Oh, no. They'd scream and holler, oh, you're hurting. He hurt me. He he called me a sissy and hurt my arm. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah. No. But that's the, that's the, that was the thing that I loved about that is because these guys were being trained the right way. Like, look at Bret Hart, who came out of the dungeon. I mean, Bret Hart w- was the ultimate – consummate professional not only with his moves but how he sold the moves i mean he he knew how to throw a match whether he won or lost and that's what a lot of people forget it's not always about winning it's about your performance and that's what made brock hart great is yeah he didn't win every single time but he looked great in every match see that's what that's what bothers me about the new wrestlers today well, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. Dude, if I made the money they made, I'd lay down and get pinned every day because I'm yeah. still going on TV. It, you're still getting exposure. You're not yeah. going to lose forever. You're, you'll never lose forever. But there's going to be times where, you know, you lose quite a bit. There's guys higher up the food chain than you. It, it's, it's That's how the business goes. Someone's paying you to do what they want you to do. If you don't want to lose all the time, you save up a couple billion dollars and start your own company. But while you're working for somebody else, if he says lose, you got to lose. And that's the that that's how it, the difference between then and now. It's like now you have a whole bunch of writers who write everything, and you're given a script. Hey, memorize this script. Now I know during the Attitude Era, you had still had writers like Vince Russo and whatnot, but they would just come up with some ideas and still tell you, you still, when you were cutting a promo in the attitude era, it was still coming from you. 
Now it's all scripted. And yeah. that's why the other day Moxley said he probably wouldn't go back to WWE because he never wants to read a script ever again. But he said that before Triple H and Stephanie took over. So I don't know if they're going to change that up or not. But, you know, back in the day, you had a booker. And yeah. he, he, he planned all the matches. And I don't mean like planned what went on. He told you the direction the story was going to go. And he would tell you who was going to win and who was going to lose. And then you went out in the ring and y'all did your thing and you put on a great match when you were doing promos. Cause you didn't wrestle all the time. Yeah. And, and, and I'll get to that in here in a second too. But when you would go to cut a promo, the booker or the producer would tell you, Hey, these are your bullet points. You have to at least mention this, this, and this otherwise go out there. And you would say, so the promos from the seventies and eighties, it's still even from the nineties in my opinion it had a part of the wrestler in it. It wasn't just some yeah. dude hired. So I think the promos back then represented the person, which helped make it more believable. It's like, oh, okay, this is the kind of guy, you know. Nowadays, I don't know what kind of guy, you know, this guy is because his promos are written by somebody else. So yeah. I don't know. So I like that in the old days where they just gave you the bullet points and you went out there and you actually had to have skill. Now wrestlers need to take acting classes, but back then they just went out there and just gave it their all. Yeah. Well, back and also back in the day, you know, when you saw all these guys, like the Ric Flairs of the world, you you looked and said, wow, like this is the guy I want to be. But you don't realize that these guys do have real lives because that's not mentioned on like they don't say, well, Ric Flair has got to take the weekend off and go home for the weekend. You thought that he was a limousine riding, jet flying. You thought you you were convinced about everything he said to you, and they touched on that in the TV show The Young Rock recently. It was like the first season, and what Rocky Johnson said. The most key thing that stuck out to me was, "Son, you have to look the part," because they were living in a motel. But when Rocky Johnson appeared on your TV, he looked like very flamboyant, very flashy. He he looked like he had money because he had a nice robe, and but you know after the show, it, it, and they showed this in the uh, TV series too. After the show, they would leave in the limousine, and then get dropped off at a parking lot and get their real car and go to the motel. Yeah, and it's and like some wrestlers, like uh, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Sullivan. He had this great character down in, in Florida where he played this evil guy who was like into Satanism and this. And he said he would actually go to stores with the black makeup on and his wrestling gear and a robe. And he would go shopping with that on. He lived the gimmick. And that's yeah. what they did back then. They lived it. Yeah. Like The Undertaker. The Undertaker lived his gimmick till he retired. Now we're seeing Mark Calloway interview all over the place. But until yeah. he retired... He stayed the mysterious undertaker. We didn't know much about him. We didn't know this. We just little things here and there, but he never showed up to any of the Hall of Fame things. He never he, he he stayed away from all that. And then now that he's retired, now we get to see, you know, oh, he's a normal guy. But he's a yeah. product of the old school ways. He lived his gimmick. And you know, nowadays when you live your gimmick, it's kind of sad because yeah. it's it's a different age. But like I won't say it's totally sad. This MJF thing has got me going crazy because he did his thing. We ain't seen him since. And it's like yeah. it's driving me nuts. They don't even mention him anymore. So it's like, it, what's you know, I, it's weird. It's it's like this 
this is the kind of thing I was going to say earlier, and I said I'd touch on it. I guess I can touch on it now. Now that kayfabe's dead, they could bring it back to a certain extent. Tell your wrestlers, quit hanging out with each other. Um, hang out at your homes together. Because yeah. the, the heels and the faces back in the day would still go and have barbecues together, but they drive out to one of the owner's ranches out in the middle of nowhere so yeah. no one can see them. But stop hanging out together so much. And they could utilize Twitter like MJF does. Utilize Twitter. Quit going on Twitter and praising your opponent. Go on Twitter and tell them to F off and tell them yeah. they suck. You could you could make it easier for us to buy what you're selling if you actually got on there and started yelling and cussing at people. I mean, I've seen so many people fighting over Pantera that I'm starting to think the metal community is getting ready to split apart and kill each other. It's yeah. no Pantera, but it's still it's no Pantera. Oh my god, but it's this they're gonna kill each other. Well, wrestling could still, you know, could do they they can't bring back what we and you had when we watched yeah. it. They could bring it back to the point to where you're like, Oh my god, he just called his wife a fat hoe. And you know, but did it in a way where you're like, Oh my god, is he for real? I don't know. Is this true? Because there's there's two promos I've seen in the modern day. That reminded me of old school, had me thinking, what the hell is going on here? And this is before MJF. This is before AEW even existed. There was two promos that just showed that you could still put some old school sprinkle in there. CM Punk's pipe bomb, where he said wrestling would be better off with Vince dead. My jaw almost hit the floor. And believe it or not, that fake Mark Henry retirement speech. Yes. He was crying. He was crying in the ring. He was like, told his son, "Daddy's coming home." And I was like, "Man, he's retiring. This is this is a, the best retirement speech ever." And then John Cena came out to say goodbye and shake his hand, and he beat the crap out of John Cena and basically said, "Screw you, buddy. You fell for it, you stupid ass." Yeah, he and said, I, I, "I have a lot. I have a lot left in the tank," is what he said. Too. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I believed that he was retiring. Yeah. So that was Mark Henry. Was truly him and CM Punk were the last signs of how old school could still mix with new. MJF well, did I, it, but yeah. they just dropped. They we haven't said, seen them, so I don't know what's going on there. But I I just see they could do it if they really wanted to. Well, I actually feel bad for Mark Calloway for, for being silent so long because, like you said, he couldn't even appear at the Hall of Fame stuff. He he even said he felt bad that he couldn't even. Do like some of the memorials when like a like a someone passed like the Eddie Guerrero one, he right. couldn't even appear to show his respect because that would be breaking character. Yeah, he and, didn't want to break character. Yeah, and, the only time he ever broke character per se was at the Hall of Fame when they inducted Paul uh, uh, Paul Bear. All he yeah. did was come out and do the the kneel and the lightning and and that was it. And then he went back. He was yeah. paying. That's the only time, and he didn't break character because he was doing it as the Undertaker. So yeah, and uh, it, what what you were saying about uh, guys just um, not hanging out with each other, hanging out at their homes. I, I I can't remember the two people involved, but I know one of them was definitely um, uh, Jim Duggan. There was a story that, that was circulating years ago that Jim Duggan and one of his opponents were riding together. And they got yes. pulled over by the police. And the when, yes. And so when the news broke, you know, people were like, wait a minute, aren't they like, don't they hate each other? What are they doing? Like partying together. 
Yeah. And, and I remember Vince say, I guess Vince was furious. Like he was so furious. And I guess they both basically were like put on, not up, put on the shelves, but they, their characters were basically suffering because of it. Yeah, no, he actually, he sent them home for, I, I don't know if he fired them, but he sent them home and they were gone for a while. Yeah. But he had, to, he was like, I got to give you a drug <laughs> test, Sheik. And, and it was something along the lines of he went to the Sheik and said, yeah, yeah, we got your drug test back. And it was positive. And Sheik says, see, I told you it's all good, right? He's like, no, no, you actually, you failed it. It's positive, but you failed. You got to go home. Yeah. He didn't get it, so he was like, "I told you, I told you, I would pass." And he didn't understand. Yeah, but yeah, they, yeah, you couldn't, you could. They got Vince was pissed. Uh, uh, Bill Watts and uh, the Louis, uh, USWA, I think it was in the Louisiana. Yeah, he would, he would find you if I see you together. You're fine. He was very, yeah. very. He was very, very strict. Yeah, because you didn't do that. You had, like I said, with the uh, Young Rock, you had to protect your image. And so if you got found out, you just wrestled the, the guy a couple hours ago and you got found later on hanging out and partying together, then, yeah, they, that's when people started to question, is this really real? Because why would they be hanging out together? Now you're now you're not just ruining your 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 image, you're ruining the industry. That's when people started questioning about the reality of uh, wrestling. And Bill Watts always told his guys, if you go out to a bar late at night or a restaurant or something and you get in a fight, if you lose that fight, you're fired. Because it look didn't look good this big old wrestler going to a bar and some little skinny old skinny guy whipped the shit out of him. It would look it would look bad. So he yeah. always said, "If you lose the fight, I'm going to fire you." And I always thought, "Damn!" But he was very strict when he took over WCW's uh, as the president and yeah. he ran the show back in the '80s. He got rid of you couldn't jump from the top rope. You couldn't be if you got thrown over the top rope, they would disqualify you. He was like trying to cut down on all that flashy high flying stuff. Yeah, and. You know, it was it, he. He eventually didn't last because nobody wanted to. Everybody wanted to do their top ropes and this. So, but he was he was old school. He he, he was quick to find you. He, he yeah. you screw around, I'm finding your ass. It was he was quick to. Yeah, the first quick. guy I ever was in awe of, of like a high flyer was obviously Jimmy Superfly Snooker, and that's the first time I ever saw a man get to the top of a cage. And throw himself off like that was to me. I, I I remember just thinking about that in my head for weeks. Like, who would do this? Like, you're crazy. But but also in the same aspect, you're like, God, I wish I could, he would do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was. It, it. I just. It was great. And then when you were in the territory days, you could get. Like we were saying earlier, you would get a match and or they would start a feud and it would usually start by just them saying something to one another, them having the belt and you wanting it. And it's your turn to go for it or you interfere in their match. There's all the different ways you could get to where you're going. But once the feud was started, those guys wouldn't touch each other for for sometimes for months like uh, they would come out and he would cut a promo on them. And then later on in the move, in the later on in the show, he would come out and cut a promo, but they wouldn't be there together. 
Yeah. And then one of them would be wrestling one week, the next week he'd be wrestling and the other guy would come out and stand there and just watch him and, you know, yeah. clap and point at him, and he'd be in the ring and he'd get all, come on up here, come on up here. And then the other guy would take advantage of you and cost you the match. And then he'd laugh and walk off. They never really yeah. wrestled. They never did yeah. anything until that big buildup to that final match. And then you knew it was getting close to the final match when they would start being in the same room doing the promo. You'd be over yeah. here and Gordon Soley would be in the middle and he would be over <laughs> here and they would start doing dual promos to each other. And he'd go like this and, and they would say, I'm going to meet you and we're going to take care of this. And then, you know, and then you knew, okay, it's getting close. Yeah. Cause like somebody said for nowadays, they'll stand in the ring face to face with their microphones and tear each other up verbally and well, in real life, are you going to stand there and let someone do that to you? No, you're eventually going to push them, tell them to shut yeah. his mouth, and they don't let them do that. And that's in the that's why in the old days they kept them apart, so you didn't have to see you know a fight. And then sometimes they would do a little pre, they would do a tag team match or something like a like a three like like yeah. uh, let's take a feud for uh, uh, for instance, uh, Ric Flair and uh, Dusty Rhodes. They had a feud. So you put the other two, two, two of the other guys from the Horsemen, and you give Dusty the 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 Road Warriors, and then you have a match. But you never have Dusty and Rick in the ring together. They always yeah. tend to, you know, Rick. They would, you know, they, they would they, tease it. They would tease it. Yes, yes, that would help build it too. But they kept them apart, which I felt made it interesting. Because yeah. nowadays they don't keep, you know, there's feuds in the back. You know, they try to run each other over with car. Back in the day, they kept them apart to build that tension, to build that yeah. tension. And 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 then once the feud was done, instead of getting a repeat performance, one of the wrestlers, his time would be done. And he would go to another territory. So he got to still go and make money and do his job, but now he left. So now the champ yeah. or whoever was in the feud can feud with somebody new. And then that guy would eventually come back, but it could be a year before he comes right. back. And then by the time he comes back, the guy he was feuding with, he's gone too. So yeah. you get to see the new that guy come back and start a fresh feud. We had so many fresh feuds back in the day where now it's, like you said, Roman and Brock, Roman and Brock, Roman and Brock. It's like, ah. Well, it's a, it's a lost art that what you were talking about with the, uh, the buildup. The last time I ever saw a buildup for a year was the uh, Rock and Cena. Uh, that whole uh, when when Rock came on and mocked John Cena, like you can't see me, you can't see me. It was it was yeah. starting to sell them. And then next week, Rock was gone for the week, and John Cena would answer. And then they had the Rock rap concert that they never appeared together. I mean, so that feud was, uh, and trust me, I'm not a John Cena fan, but actually that feud was built up great for one whole year. They never made contact until the match and See, that's, that, that's really that's how lost art is to build up a match now these feuds sometimes they go a long time and then sometimes it's like three weeks and over it's like that's not that's not a feud no yeah. i fought with my wife for longer than two weeks that's a feud <laughs> if, if, yeah. if if you if you if you're that's, a, fa that's feud, a family feud that's a family yeah, feud if your wrestling feud lasts shorter than your feud and when your wife or your mother-in-law or something, that's not a real feud. That was yeah. just a skirmish. It was just a skirmish. A yeah. real feud take, you know, I'm sure there's still people. A feud is a feud. 
I mean, I don't think Scott Steiner still likes Ric Flair. That's a feud, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's just, I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I, I'm very passionate about wrestling, especially old school wrestling. But the problem is, yes, I can go on Peacock and I can watch, you know, because they own all those, you know, WWE owns all that video footage. I could go on there and watch an old school wrestling match. And yes, I would enjoy it, but I would prefer if they would put them together with all the promos that led up to it. Yeah. Watching the match is watching the match is fun, but seeing how it all built up is even better. And this is why I asked, I don't know why they don't do this to begin with, because as you know, you go to watch a pay-per-view of WWE. They always say 10 weeks ago, seven weeks ago, three weeks ago, they still right before the pay-per-view match, they'll show you what happened on Friday on Sunday. They'll show you what happened just the other day. So why not find all the promos that you own and edit them in in order because I'm sure they're dated and then show yeah. the match. That way I'm going to Peacock and I can relive the entire feud and be like, now that's the stuff. But they yeah. don't do that. They just give you the matches. I don't know. The, the, the only place I ever see promos is on YouTube. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they get taken down right away. But I just yeah. miss I miss the whole package of everything they offered. Now I have a me, I have a go, go ahead. ahead no, no go no. ahead finish your thought because no. I have a question for you. <laughs> I do have a video clip that I wanted to uh, to show. It's from 1979. It's got Terry Boulder, which is who we know yep. as Hulk Hogan, and his buddy Brutus Beefcake's in it. Now I don't think Beefcake says anything, but he's got that feathery 70s hair. But it's just a it's just I found it on YouTube and I I didn't know if anybody you know remember. You know, Hogan, Hogan wrestled in the seventies and, oh, you know, so I just, I don't know if he's, if he's, yeah, he might be, a lot of people he might forget he was a heel. He was a heel. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I don't know if Michael J's can show that one, <coughs> the one from 1979. Talk about Mr. Bass for a minute. Uh, one of the most tragic events in his life is just about to take place this Monday when I get my hands on him. There's just been a little bit of a problem where we come from. There's a bad junkyard dog in Port Tampa, you know, and he was always beating on all the little dogs and biting on their ears and everything. And all of a sudden, a little bit bigger dog came along. And last Monday in Memphis, my brother dropped so many eyes, I mean, so many elbows on uh, Mr. Bass's head that his eyes kind of look like goofy grape, you know. (laughs) Well, now Mr. Bass is running scared because the big dogs get on him. Well, there's just a little bit bigger dog that's after you, brother, and that's me. And this Monday night in Memphis, Daddy, when I get a hold of you, Mr. Bass, I'm going to take you and bury your head right in the mat, brother. I'm going to teach you a little bit of a wrestling lesson and a little respect for these good people around here. And I'm going to put the super southern squeeze on you, daddy. And when I get done with you, brother, I'm going to squeeze all that meanness out of you and all those bad ways you have. And I'm going to turn you over to these people in Memphis and let them whip on you a little bit after you're down and out. That's a promise I'm going to make to everybody here. And I'm going to have my running shoes on. So if you plan on running one more time for me, I'm coming after you. And if I catch you in the dressing room, I'm going to drag you all the way back out to the ring. Mm. And a lot of folks that I don't want mad at me, but this is the one that I for sure don't want mad at me. Uh, the Hulk and his brother Eddie Bowler will be right there Monday night. Good luck to you down there, you guys, and we'll be looking for it. Okay, Terry and Eddie. That's an old one. Yeah, and you actually saw a little bit of an early Hulkamania there. Uh, yep, with when his, he said brother. With, yeah. yeah, when he said brother, and you could hear that that Hulkamania accent that he he uh, perfected later on. Yeah, that was, he was man, that, That's a flashback. Wow. 
Yeah, and he was already starting to get uh, starting to get that Hulk Hogan uh, bald spot going. Yeah, but yeah, but that was t- that was Terry Boulder and his brother Eddie Boulder. Eddie Boulder. Now, yep. Eddie Boulder, uh, Brutus Beefcake, uh, Les, uh, S, uh, S, his real name's Leslie. Um, yeah, he had some some Farrah Fawcett hair there, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> I was looking for the swimsuit there, but yeah, but see that that's that's the stuff. See, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And Memphis Wrestling was also a good territory. That was Jerry, Jerry the King Lawler, and he ran it with his. Uh, I don't know if they're friends anymore, but his name was uh, Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett, yeah, yeah. And that's where my guy. <clears throat> well, go. You had a question. What was your question? My question was in the seventies. Uh, who was your favorite wrestler at that time? <clears throat> Um, I we're would just talking. We're just talking late seventies. So late seventies, I guess the one that I enjoyed the most because he looked like my dad. You know, overweight, normal, and have to be Dusty. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes. That he's the one that sticks out the in my mind the most. Before I started seeing all the other guys like Flair in them in the eighties, I have to say Dusty because he was every man. You know, he was. He was, he looked like an average guy. He looked like the yeah. guy that worked on your car. You know, he didn't look, he didn't have that physique and all that stuff. So I think my, my first, my favorite wrestler my, it was Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. So you, you, then you must love the promo high times. Yes. I was going to get it, but every version of it I found had that big old WWE banner down the side. And I was like, no, nah, yeah. that's just asking for trouble for sure. So I wish I could have got it. But if, if, if anybody's interested, just look up Hard Times, Dusty Rhodes. It's a great it's a great one. And I also like the other one, you know, I, I just love his promos. I just love his promos. Yeah. But uh, I have another video that I'd like to share with you because it ties into the territory. Now, this isn't from the territory of Memphis. But it's got my favorite now. I probably get some hate from people for this. Um, my favorite manager of all time. Yes, I love Bo- I love Bobby the Brain. He made me laugh. I loved him. I love you know I I love I love uh, uh, Mr. Fuji. Yes, but my all time favorite manager. I'm gonna get booed and hated. I'm sure was and still is if he re- if he still worked was Jim Cornette. Yep. When I hear Jim Cornette talk now and I hear Jim Cornette talk then, I'm looking at the same guy. It's the same he hasn't guy. Changed. Yeah. And he's never changed. He's gotten fired for the things he said because he, you can't say that anymore. And so that's why I feel that when you look back, that guy that he was representing back then was really him. Yeah. But he got his start because he lived in Louisville and his mom had a lot of money. And he got his start as a young boy taking pictures for Memphis Wrestling. And they ended up, you know, being a manager and, you know, really having a great career, I think. Um, even at his own territory in the late 90s, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But uh, I have a video of him doing a promo um, from a uh, – at the time it was called uh, World Championship Wrestling, but they weren't WCW yet. That was just the name of the show. They were still part of NWA. So yeah. I got a – I have another video I want to show of Jim Cornette – um, doing a promo, so if you can roll that one. We are back on World Championship. 
Jet Wrestling and awaiting the arrival of the Midnight Express. Right, Needless to say, Jim Cornette. It's a big honor is going to a Falcons game. You know what I'm talking about? Now, let me tell you something, Tony. I'm going to give you an unexpected opportunity today. I want you to stand there and I want you to tell me when I tell a lie. Stop me when I tell the truth. We've been coming out here, me and the Midnight Express, about six months now, right? Huh? Right, right. And I've been calling the Rock and Roll Express every kind of dog, every kind of coward, every name in the book, right? Right. And I've been challenging them for the World Tag Team titles, right? That's right. right. And don't you think if you were a man, don't you think if you had any guts, if you had any honor, any kind of intestinal fortitude, do you think you'd let somebody like me come out here and call you a dog and a coward and all the rest? Would you? Huh? I guess not. Well, they sure have. All that has gone unanswered. We have been met with a resounding degree of silence from the Rock and Roll Express. Let me tell you something, punks. I want the World Tag Team title, and I want it right in my mother's living room where she can look up at them nice belts and say that's what my son won for me. The Midnight Express are the ones that are going to do it. You know why the Rock and Roll Express have ignored us? Why? Because they know. And I, I feel sorry for you guys. You realize that the Midnight Express is the one team in wrestling that can take you. You realize that you got no chance against the Midnight Express and you want to keep the World Tag Team title. You know if you avoid the Midnight Express like the plague, that's exactly what you're going to do. Keep the World Tag Team title because there can't nobody else take it away from you. And hey, I can't blame the Rock and Roll Express for wanting to be the World Tag Team champions. What I can blame them for is coming out here and telling all these people that they can beat the Midnight Express because you're lying, rock and roll. You can't do it. And what I can blame them for is coming out here and telling all these people that they're big heroes of youth because you ain't, because you're cowards. And one of these days, you're going to have to face these men. Ladies and gentlemen, anybody who messes with these men ends up on more floors than Johnson's Wax. Lover boy, Dennis, and beautiful Bobby, the Midnight Express. See, I used to want to kick him in the balls so bad as a kid. He was doing his job. That's exactly what he was. A, he was a good, a good promo and a great manager. And he made you hate him. And that's what his job was. And he did it perfect. So I got, I got a quick uh, Dennis Condry story from the Midnight Express. When I lived in Ohio, um, I, w I was uh, going from one side of Columbus to the other, and I, I hailed a taxi. And I kept looking at the gentleman driving, and I'm like, so I, you know how they have their, their names uh, in the taxis? So I'm looking at his name, and it says Dennis C. And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, that, I was like, uh, excuse me, is, is your last name Condry? And he goes, he puts his head down for a second. He's like, how you doing? <laughs> I was like, I'm doing good. He's like. Dennis Condry was my was my taxi driver. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. When was, was when was this? I say about fifteen years ago. So I, it was when I first went to Ohio. So that was in two thousand three. Okay. okay. Yeah, and um, he was telling me some great uh, rock and roll express stories and. I just remember like getting out of the cabin. I, I kind of didn't want to like, you know how you want to like get his autograph and everything, but I'm not one of those fans. Like I didn't want to interfere with his work and right. Right. Yeah, but, but I, I said, thank you so much. And I said, thank you for all the memories. And he goes, you're welcome young man. <laughs> yeah. That was the one. There's a couple, there's a handful of memories that will stick with me forever. Obviously 
the best feuds were in my for me the best feuds that stick out was like we mentioned earlier, the Von Ericks and the Freebirds, um, the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, and the Road Warriors and anybody. Yeah, because the Road Warriors they were they manhandled everybody, and yeah. they didn't lose very often. But they were like so menacing, and they stood out at the time. Nobody wore makeup like that. The shoulder pads with the sp- I mean, it was it was you know they were like certain things in wrestling are such perfect that they just fell into place and locked and turned into gold. And yeah. the, the Road Warriors were just you know they were just you know gold. Whether they were in the AWA or you know the WWF used them a little bit in a way I don't agree with multiple times, but back in the eighties, I mean, I, I would go out of my way to see their matches. I'd put their posters up. It was like, I love the road warriors. You know, some of, you know, some of the, uh, the, the four horsemen had some spectacular feuds. Yeah. Spectacular feuds, but yeah, the rock and roll express and midnight express, they were like, they feuded all over the place. I went to, I went to Indiana to visit uh, one summer to Kentucky, visit my grandparents. And we went over into Indiana to their friend's house. And this lady's son-in-law, he watched wrestling and I sat around with their kids. You know, we watched it and this was in the eighties and even the territory up North, they were doing a, they were doing a tour and rock and roll and uh, the midnight Express were feuding. So they feuded over in Memphis. They feuded Georgia. They feuded in the, those guys feuded everywhere. And yeah, I'm t- the best seller in the business was always been the dude from Rock Roll Express, man. You, you'd have old ladies out there ready to kill those guys because he'd be there begging for help. Please help me. I mean, he yeah. sold the moves like crazy. The the blonde guy, Ricky Morton, Ricky, Ricky Morton, Morton. He, could, he could sell like nobody's nobody's business. But yeah, I love Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express. That was they always had classic matches, and that's the thing. You had the Rock and Roll Express, these young guys that all the girls went crazy for with the they weren't they weren't ripped, they weren't shred, they weren't t- they were just they were they looked like regular old, you know, the girls. They looked like guys who could be in warrant and you know yeah. poison. And you know, they weren't fat. And then you had the the Midnight Express who were older men, a little bit flabby, but they were powerful. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Nowadays everybody's gotta be cut like a statue and look like a, a, a Greek god you know, with their perfect body. But back in the day, it was just normal guys, fat guys. That's why I said Dusty Rhodes stands out as the first one because, damn, you know, he's, you know, I get it could be a cross between him and Andre because Andre made his rounds through Georgia yeah. every once in a while. And he was, Andre was a whole different ball game there. That was, yeah. a, it, he was a big guy. But that's the thing about wrestling back then. I could go to the Civic Center they're in Cobb County and watch a match and there wouldn't be that many people there. So you would actually, you know, you would be so close. You could see them. You could sit close enough where you could yell at them. I I had Jim Cornette go do the backhand thing to me once. But when you go to a big show in the Omni, you'd be out in the middle of nowhere. But see, now all wrestling is only arenas. So unless you're willing to dump big bucks, you got to go up and you're better off. If you don't have a lot of money, you're better off watching wrestling at home. Because you're not yeah. going to see much from up there. But back in the day, you could go and there might just be 80, 90, 100 people there. You know, and then when you were a little kid, you could maneuver, you know, like yeah. I'm going to go yeah. get a drink and then you make your way down to there. But yeah, I, I, I've been up close to Jim Cornette and it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So, well, you Jim, know, I missed that. Jim, 
to me, Jim Cornette was like the original Paul Heyman. You know, yes. uh, he spoke his mind and he had your attention and he spoke truths. Like Paul Heyman doesn't pull punches and neither did Jim Cornette. Uh, that's oh. what I respect about Jim Cornette. He didn't tell, he didn't, uh, he, like, like you were talking about Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan would play the ultimate heel manager. Well, Cornette would be your in-your-face manager because right. he, he, he would give you the props. Like, he gave Rock and Roll Express the props, but then he also said, but you can't beat my boys. Right. Like, so, so, but with Heenan, Heenan was always about, like, downgrading the opponent. Oh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll lose in a couple of seconds, blah, blah, blah. But I, I like Cornette's style. And about what you said about the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, the great thing about that rivalry was how much contrast there was. The, the Midnight Express, they were the consummate wrestlers. They were, yeah, like you said, older, a little bit flabbier, but you weren't going to see like a lot of high-flying moves. Rock and yeah. Roll Express was the high-flying moves, the flash. And I think that's how they played off of each other, really, because they were so different. See, for me, watching... Two big ripped muscular guys fight is boring. I want to yeah. see I, I, if I want to see Batista wrestle, I want to see him wrestle Rey Mysterio because yeah. I can get it. There's a chance that the Batista is going to win this match, but there's still that chance that that you know he will. And it's fun to watch the mixture of the different styles. Watching, I know a lot of people will disagree with me, but sometimes I don't like watching. I actually I don't really watch UFC. Because that's just two tough guys fighting. I don't, yeah. I don't, I want to see a, you know, a, now, you know, if Chuck Liddell was going to fight a lightweight, which they're not allowed to do, I would tune in for that. Because it would be funny to see that lightweight knock the crap out of a middle, you know what I'm saying? But they don't. Well, that wasn't them. how, it, that's not how it always was, though. In the beginning of well, UFC, no. you, you had different people, different styles. You would have like a wrestler against a, um, a martial artist, you'll have uh, a, a shoot fighter versus, and that's how I liked it. I liked that original format of UFC until they well, yeah. made it rounds and until they made it rules. There was no well, yeah, rules in the beginning. You'd have a martial artist and then Butterbean. And, yeah. you know, Butterbean would always win because once he punched you, you were screwed. Yeah, but yeah. I'm talking about... Back when you start, me and you remember UFC starting, it wasn't called UFC. It was yeah. the Tough Man Contest. Yes. So it was all different people just fighting to see who was Billy Badass. Now it's all like boxing. You got this division and that division. It's like, let a lightweight and a heavyweight go at it. Yeah. But they but they won't ever do that because what if the lightweight does beat the heavyweight? Then it it's like... I just I, – I don't watch UFC. Not because I think it's staged. Sometimes I think – I question what they do, but I I don't – I just – I don't watch it because I don't want to watch, you know, two guys the same weight, the same height, the same build fight each other. It's like, eh, yeah. I can watch boxing for that. And that's been around a lot longer, you know. But, I, I mean, I'm not saying I hate UFC. I just don't watch it. I just – I just – I'm neutral about it, I guess. You know, I'm not trying to get people mad at me like, oh, you don't like the real stuff, just the fake stuff. No, I like boxing. I like kickboxing. You know, I just, yeah. I just, I just, UFC, there, there was a span in the UFC where I couldn't watch it. There was yeah. this guy called Royce Gracie. Yeah. Oh, I, he I, do, I, he, I was a Gracie guy, do, but. See, if, I, if figures, 
All he would do is get you in a hold and lay there. Sometimes you'd be laying there for three minutes because you can't lock it in yet, but he's got you on the ground where you can't get out. And I'm sitting there all bored like, dude, what are you going to do? Just going to take a nap? I mean, I did. I wasn't a fan of the Gracies because I just felt they they made it too slow. I I like more – even boxing, I'm not going to lie. Boxing can get slow. When they start getting winded and they start holding each other and that break. Yeah. Break. I, I you know, I, I get, I would rather go watch martial artists do, you know, the martial arts exhibitions and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not, but I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I'm not hating on UFC. It's just not for me. Yeah. I mean, if well, I want to, you know. What what you said about Ray Mysterio, like Mysterio is, you know, in the beginning with W, when he went to WCW, yeah, he he fought all guys in his weight class, but then they let him kind of get out there, and he was wrestling guys like Kevin Nash, and he was wrestling uh, Sid Vicious, and it was he he started being called the uh, the Giant Killer because he was beating these guys, and yeah, that, that, Nash- to me that made it exciting. Like this little guy who's like the size of my hand is beating seven foot dudes. That, that night that Kevin Nash put him over, I, I about died. I'm like, holy crap, I didn't see this coming. Big old guy from the NWO lost it. Yeah. It, and, you know, I that, that that's – see, a lot of people give people like Kevin Nash shit because they think he's an egotistical bastard. A lot of wrestlers get a bad rap. They do what's best for business. And sometimes what we think is best for business actually isn't. So when yeah. they don't do what we want them to do, we get mad. Oh, yeah. You know, like Triple H in the 90s. Oh, he's burying that guy. He's burying that guy. No, he's yeah. not. You got to understand how wrestling works. And even I'm not a wrestling expert. But if you're getting mad because Triple H won't lose, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you angry because Triple yes. H never lost. That's how they build up your heel character. Right. But people get, oh, I can't believe he won again. Well, if you're not liking wrestling, it's because you're not into it anymore. So just go do something else. Yeah. You know. But and that I love that I love that aspect of wrestling though is because uh, these guys are experts in making you either love them or hate them and and what's who who was it it was MJF who said about he goes one minute you love this guy and the next minute you think he's the worst piece of shit like it's yeah. so true it's so true hey I don't like to use the word this word a lot, but I'll use it in this sense and I'll probably get booed. But the wrestling community is a little toxic. It's a little toxic. It they they will they'll eat their own. They will eat their own. That's all yep. I'm saying. But now I wanted to bring this up because it leads into a video, a video that I made. Okay. <clears throat> you watch a lot of I watch a lot of shoot videos. I like to listen to the stories from the old school guys. And I watch a lot of them and I got this cool little streaming stick. I won't get too much into detail, but it's got this sports thing and I can watch all these great old school shoot videos. And I like to hear them use wrestling terms in real life scenarios, you know, like, Oh, I got drunk and I couldn't talk too well, but you know, you give me a few minutes, I'll kick out of it. Well, they like to use the word promo. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we went to a bar one night in Charlotte we were drinking and this drunk guy came in the bar and I guess he didn't like the way we looked or his woman was looking at us too much. And he came over to the table and he cut a promo 
And then he, uh, we got to a fight. Next thing I know, we're all in jail. But they used the word promo. And I've even heard, you know, like even today's wrestlers, like, well, not too far today's, but like Kevin Nash in an interview one time, he was talking about how he, him and Goldberg got into an argument. And he's like, I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And Goldberg comes by and I said something to him he didn't like. And next thing I know, dude's cutting a promo on me. So I thought, what if people live their life that way? What if, what if people live their life like wrestlers and we cut promos on each other? So I made a video today and I don't know if it'll entertain anybody, but uh, it's, it's, it's me as a 14 year old kid cutting a promo on his mom. So I don't know if, if, if Michael J wants to throw that up, but uh, just the, it's just a kid cutting a promo on his mom. So let's see if we can. Get that. Mom, mom, mom. What can I say here, mom? No, every day, every day you come home. Every day you come home from work. You make us a nice meal and then you start in on me. Clean your room. Clean your room. Clean your room. Clean your room. That's all I ever hear from you. Clean your room. Well, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about you telling me to clean my room. Mom, why don't you clean my room? Why don't you get off your butt and you clean my room? Why would I say this? Well, let me lay it out for you. Let me spell it out for you in a language that you will fully understand. Let me tell you. First, you go to work. You make money, you pay the mortgage, you pay the bills, and then you go to service merchandise. You go to Kmart, you go to Toys R Us, you go to Sears, you go to any store that will sell you anything, and you buy me stuff. You buy me stuff. Why? Because you love me? Because you're a good mom? Ah, who cares about all that stuff? You keep filling my room full of stuff. I go to school, mom. I go to school. I get on a bus and I'm driven to school where I have to sit for seven, eight hours a day because you think I should. And then I get back on that same stupid bus and I come here and I take my key from around my neck, I open the door and I come into this home that you supply for us. But I gotta clean my room. Nobody asked you. Nobody asked you to buy all that stuff. You come home from work, you go to the store, oh look what I bought you sweetheart, mom. You're buying me so much stuff, I'm running out of room. I can't go get my own place because I'm just 14 years old. I can't go get a job because I'm 14 years old. But yet my room just keeps getting fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller. And look, I can't take it no more. So hey, why don't you clean the room, huh? You bought the stuff, I didn't, I can't make, I can't work. You bought it, so you clean the room. I'm tired. I can't take it anymore, Mom. I can't take it anymore. You're driving me, you're just driving me bonkers. You're driving me crazy. Oh, Mom, just, just stop. Just stop already with the buying of toys. It's like madness. I can't take it. So, you clean my room and stay off my back. Or, how about you just stop buying stuff altogether, Mom? Huh? Huh, Mom? Can you think you could do that? Yeah, I think you can. So, you know what? I'm gonna go to bed, Mom. But, not before I give you a hug and a kiss, cause, well, 
I love you. But stop buying me stuff. You clean the room. You stop buying me stuff. You clean the room. You stop buying me stuff and you clean the room. There we go. Woo. I just, what the I, fuck? <laughs> I mean, it's probably dangerous that he has that whole video, but. I was like, you know, I would. It just made me think. You know, people are always, you know, wrestlers are always using terms, and I thought, well, you know, what if a kid took it real and cut a promo on his mom? So I said, fuck it, I'll do it. If it's embarrassing, fine. But now he's got a copy of it, so who knows? I love it. I love it, and you have no idea what was going through my head during that entire thing. (laughs) Oh boy, Paul. Oh. So, uh, he's he's got he's got bri- uh, a bribery waiting for you too. <laughs> yeah, that look on his face is look dangerous. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna try it. And it, it and but that's how I would picture. You know, 14 year old me, if I had the balls to cut a promo on my mom, I could see me actually doing something like that. And I just found it humorous. I said, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. But I didn't want anybody to see it ahead of time. I wanted it to be fresh. Yeah. I can I can I can already see it next week exclusive on Patreon. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do a Patreon exclusive, and I'll just cut promos on everybody. You and Poe and Michael J. And I can just let it all out in uh, in a promo. You know, well, I, I can have I, fun I, with. Poe. I would like to see do the, the Poe one. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be fun. But yeah, it just. I just love, I just, wrestling just is, I, I, I say it's in my blood, but I, I, it's just, I can't put my finger on, I can't, if anybody said to me, hey man, why do you like wrestling? I cannot give them an answer. I just can't. It's one of those things I like, you know, like somebody says, hey man, why do you like sex? Well, it feels good, duh. But wrestling, I can't, I can't put my finger on why I like it because my, the common sense part of me thinks I'm an idiot for liking it because well we all know what it's about but then that other side of me is like this is the greatest thing ever so I can't really I couldn't explain to anyone and that's why I had a hard time growing up with the people who didn't like wrestling or when I left the south and went up north and there were less wrestling fans at the time because it was the early you know the the, the early 90s and I don't get why you like this stupid. Because I'd be like, oh, I got to get home for Raw. What's Raw? WWE. What's that? Wrestling. You watch that fake shit? And I can't, I could you couldn't. I, I was just, just going to ex- say something about that too. Yeah. And, and I can't, I couldn't explain to them why I still liked it, even though I knew it was all staged. Because I don't use the word fake. A scripted, staged, but it's not fake. You can't, you, no one gets a career ending injury, you know, if it was fake. No one break, you know. Yeah, stuntmen get hurt, but some of these guys have gotten hurt. Some have gotten killed in the ring. It's not fake. So it's staged. It's, it's you know, choreographed. It's scripted. That's what I'll say. I'll never say it's fake. But they yeah. would. And I can't explain to them why I like it. And no matter what I would say to them, it would never sink in. So it's one of those things. I just can't tell you why I like it. I just like the shit out of it. Well, I, I'm like you. I can't explain why I like it. But I am all. I will also go to bat for it every single time when someone comes to me and says, "Oh, you like that fake stuff," and I was like, first of all, do you like movies?" Yeah, we like movies. You know it's fake, right? You think you think uh, they they kiss on the screen and they go home and sleep with each other? No. After the after the movie's over, they go their separate ways. 
So that's why that is why I like wrestling is because it's entertaining, it's fun, it's a release. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago with the horror movies, horror movies was a release for me. So is wrestling. It, it's a way of getting away from the the real horrors in life, and that's the and life itself. Uh, I I dive myself into a pay per view, or I dive myself into a Raw or a SmackDown, and I forget about what's going on in my life. I forget what's going on in the world, and for that one hour and thirty minutes, two hours, three hours, that's all I'm I'm focused on this, like I would do for a movie too. And when I'm watching a movie, I forget about everything else. So I will always go to bat for wrestling because, to me, it's fun and it's a release from the real stresses of the world. Yes, and I, I couldn't have said it any better. That's that that that's that. You're right. I mean, p- people nowadays, everybody bitches and moans about movies, and I. That's the first thing that pops into my head when I'm reading all these comments. Uh, y'all know this ain't real, right? You know, like, oh, I don't, uh, I don't like the way this happened in uh, Obi Wan, dude. It's not real. So, yeah. what, what, you know, why are you having, why are you losing your lunch over something that ain't real? It, you know, that's, it's just another form of entertainment. Yeah. Like Jesse yes. Ventura said once, it's, it's just violent ballet. Yeah. That's what he says, ballet with violence. And it, you know, but, but, you know, I just, and, but still, and, and see, I could explain it to somebody just like you did. And they still aren't going to get it. That's the sad part. We can explain it and they're going to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. get what you're going on about. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, okay. But there's, you know, people have lived for this business and it's got, it's fed their families. I mean, I bought this shirt, the, the Brody Lee tribute shirt, and all proceeds went to his family. So wrestling yeah. is still feeding his family and helping his children. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. These wrestlers, they, <clears throat> The new guys got it better, and they'll even admit that they do. They travel less. There, there's not as much house shows. Some of these old school wrestlers from the 70s and 80s, they would be on the road like 300 days a year. So yeah. they would have to take 50 days for to spend time with their family and scatter it through the month. They would hit the road. They, you should hear some of their stories about the routes they traveled in the territory. And they'd be gone all week. Then they'd come home for one day, and then they would do like one show every day in, in a city, and they would do two shows on Sunday. And it's like they and they only got a percentage. They didn't get guaranteed money. They got a percentage of the gate. So yeah. you know th- these guys had to hustle and bustle to make their money. And the ones who never had to work again, good on them. A lot of them bought their hat. Like an old school wrestler would used to tell the young wrestlers, "Hey." First thing you need to do with that big paycheck is buy a house, because as long as you can make the, the the property taxes and all that, they ain't gonna take your house away from you. So buy a house, then buy a car, and then whatever else later. But some of the guys would, you know, the Briscoe brothers, they started their own body shop in Florida. They were successful. A lot of wrestlers got into businesses or bought car dealerships or something. Unfortunately, guys like Ric Flair squandered their whole life, and he's still having to do stuff to make money. Yeah. That's why people would like la- some people might be like, You mean there was a midnight express guy driving a cab? What a loser! He ain't a yeah. loser, he's yeah. gotta, he's got to make a living somehow. He can't yeah. wrestle forever, so that's he had to make a living. Did he squander his money? Yes, but it was a different time. These guys were drinking all the time, doing drugs for pain, drinking yeah. for pain. They didn't get to see their families. You know how many stories I've heard all the repairs that these. 
even Stone Cold said here just recently on an interview on his documentary on A&E, he still has to repair his relationship because he didn't want to be a father. He put everything into wrestling and his two little girls never saw him. He never spent any time with them. And now he's trying to repair that relationship with his adult children. A lot of wrestlers had no relationship with their kids. So yeah, it was Jake, a t- Jake, it was Jake a- Roberts. Jake Roberts is a big example. Yes. Uh, yeah. When what was it behind the ring that Jake Roberts was talking about how he tried to mend the fence a couple of times and then he would do something to fuck it up again. Yeah. Uh, like he, he would get back in because he at that point of his career, he was doing just like a lot of charity shows or he would appear for like a local promotion and the promoters would would literally see that he's fucked up out of his mind and still let him go in the ring. And he he would make arrangements with his daughter to meet after the show. Well, by the time the show was over, he was so fucked up and bruised, he'd forget about her and you know, I don't yeah. think he I don't think he's ever repaired his relationship with his daughter. Some of his kids, I think all of his kids were at the Hall of Fame thing. But yeah. I still think there's issues. It's it's just easier going now because DDP helped him clean up his life. So I yeah. think it it's still not fixed. But if he had never got on, if he had never worked with Paige, he still probably wouldn't be talking. He'd be dead, I'm sure, by now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he'd be he would definitely. Be, but you know, he's under contract to AEW now, and right. the few the couple promos I've seen him cut, he could still cut a fucking promo. Oh yeah, he was yeah. that one guy that that freaked me out. Because he never yelled. Yeah, he would just he talked. Oh, real he slow. would he would have that like, and I went down. He he would like lower his voice to yeah. make it more menacing. Yeah, he'd be all. If you think for one second that I'm gonna get put over out there and you're gonna pull a fast one on me, think twice. And I'd be like, ooh. And know, then he like, would always bring up his snake. He's like, yes. Damien, Damien, Damien's waiting. Feeding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid of that fucking snake for years. Two quick antidotes. I'm sure you know, but one of them, when he had that cobra, when he was a heel and had the cobra, it wasn't supposed to bite. They de- they did de venom it, but yeah. it wasn't supposed to bite Macho Man, but it bit him anyway. Yeah. Macho Man said that was one of the most painful things he's ever felt because it was in there and it wasn't supposed to. Yeah, And then a lot of the guys weren't really af- – there were a lot of guys who were afraid of the snake, Damien, but some of them would do more faking because they knew nothing was going to happen, so they would overreact. Andre the Giant, the big man himself, was so afraid of that snake. So if you go back and watch any of the Jake Snake and Andre the Giant stuff, that fear in his eyes is real. He was yeah. really scared of it. He could have ripped that thing in half. But he was scared of that snake. I was like, damn, I can't believe that big guy was so scared. Yeah, Bobby Heenan told the story. It was a dark, it was a dark show. And uh they said Andre literally fell out of the ring because he was trying to get out so fast. His leg hit the back of the ring rope and he like he actually crashed to the ground because he was trying to get out of the ring as fast as possible. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I just I just love I just love old school wrestling. Um, and uh, I just I always wanted to be one. I always wanted to be one. But it just it never happened. And I'm kind of glad because I probably would have not been a very good 
uh, I would have probably squandered my money and did bad things. So I'm kind of glad I didn't, but I still enjoy it. I don't watch it as much now. I spend more time. I play it. I play it on my Xbox. I play. I, I, I buy. I don't watch WWE like I used to. I barely watch it, but every year I still buy their stupid game because I'm a sucker. Yeah. Um. I I play their game. I already know I'm gonna buy AEW's game. I do play do, the wrestling. Video do they games. have like a make a character video? Do they have a make a character option? I think they said it was gonna be, but it wasn't gonna be very intricate like WWE's because it's the yeah. first game. I think it's gonna be just basic. <clears throat> oh, I I met, I met any games do like the these current games have that option. Yes, yes, you can create wrestlers. Yes, nice. And and I I I play those. Um, I haven't watched AEW in a while because I think. Tony Khan created something that brought wrestling back to me, and I was like, this is awesome. But he's slowly being a little egomaniac, and he's trying to do too much and do it himself. So it's it reminds me, it reminds me when WCW tried to get too big too fast. Uh, yes. When, when, remember when they were winning the uh, wrestling wars, and, you know, they, they were going in the right direction. They should have kept that same direction. But little by little, they started buying more wrestlers. Then they would have musical performances. And little by little, they were just spending money like crazy. And then that's when Vince took that opportunity to swoop in and say, well, while you're doing all that stuff, we're going to just keep bringing wrestling. And slowly those numbers started shifting back to WWF again because, you know, WCW, I mean, Eric Bischoff, I'll, I'll give him his credit. He was a, he was the evil genius. Yes. To defeat to defeat Vince McMahon that many weeks in a row, that's brilliance. I mean, I mean, even Triple H talks about like how he he goes. I feel like I'm trying to fill a a, a brilliant man's shoes because Vince, even though yeah he he got lost in the times towards the end, but he was a genius, and yes. Bischoff was a genius, but then he let too many people get into his head. Oh, we can do this. Oh, we can do that. Let's let's crush them with this. Let's get uh, more millionaire performers. They should have just kept the direction they were going because I really feel that, that that made wrestling so fun. And then when WCW finally like said, well, we had a great run, but we're selling now. Right, it lost it lost something for me because now there's no competition, like you said, and TNA was ne- T- TNA was great, but it was never competition. No, it, it was like Ring it, of Honor. Yeah. Ring of Honor yeah. was good, but it wasn't competing with anybody. Yeah, and I think and Tony T- Khan has a good idea, but I feel like he's doing that Eric Bischoff thing now, where he's letting too many people get into his head, and he's signing everyone that he can. And I don't, I don't think that's good for business. No, you know, let's and, build build up a character first instead of bringing in another guy to defeat the character you just tried to build. Yeah, he'll bring in a good wrestler. We'll see him on TV for a month, then he throws him on dark, or we don't see him. Here, here's here 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 during the as during the pandemic, I AEW was like awesome. You had TNA, you had uh, you had Impact guys showing up. You had some NWA people show up. It was it was feel like a territory days, and then 
things went back to normal and every, you know, they stopped doing that. Here's what I think Tony should have done. For one, he needs to get some people to help him book and write. So it's not just, you know, he, he, he needs to, he needs help, but he, he, if WWE is a publicly traded company, if WWE buys something, you have to, it has to be public because you're a public business. Tony Khan, his dad owns the Jaguars. They own Manchester soccer football club over in England. And they own AEW, but they're a private company. They don't have to disclose shit if they don't want to. As long as they pay their taxes, everything's good. Tony should have created a fake company, but done it all legal, but created a fake company like uh, Wrestling Holding Corp or something. And that's the company that should have bought Ring of Honor, not Tony. This group bought uh, Ring yeah. of Honor. Then he could have ran Ring of Honor separate, gave it its own network, put it, got it on its own network, and then he could have had wrestlers jumping shit back and forth, making it seem, whoa, I can't believe so-and-so just said he quit and he's going to Ring of Honor. How yeah. in the hell? He could have done a lot, but his ego was too much, and he wanted to go on TV and say, oh, I love Ring of Honor as a kid growing up, and now I own it. He couldn't just yeah. – he couldn't – you know, that's what I'm saying. His ego is starting to get in the way. Yep. And I like think now that now that Triple H is running ship, I I feel like they they're gonna rebury AEW again because Triple H, as much as people don't like him as a person, he is actually a great booker. <laughs> he knows what people want, and already in these first like four weeks, wrestling has like he's bringing back guys Vince uh, let go. Yes, like he, yeah, and. I find that like he's like he's uh, bringing back Johnny Gargano soon, and I'm a huge Johnny Gargano fan. But Vince just wanted to bury uh, Johnny Gargano when he did get that promotion. You know, you saw him a couple times, and then all of a sudden he was gone again. It's like let's stop bringing up that younger talent. Let's stop, even though Johnny Gargano is not really young. He's I think he's 34, but he's never got that spotlight yet. Right, and, just like and a guy Vince. like and a guy like that deserves a spotlight. He's he's amazing. I mean, Vince, he had that all that speculation about where Adam Cole was going to go, and Vince was like, "Oh, I'm having a special meeting on SmackDown Friday night with with with, with Adam Cole. We're going to work this out." And he ended up going to AEW anyway. Now, yes, his wife's over there, girlfriend, wife. She's over there, so yeah, that's one factor. But Vince wanted to pay him a million dollars a year. To be to be Keith Lee's manager, yeah. And Adam Cole's, I'm a wrestler. I don't want to be a manager. So yeah. that was see. Here's the thing, it's that ego again. Vince has always had an ego. That's why he's not there anymore. His ego got yeah. in the way. He paid off the women. He did a bad thing, but his ego got in the way. He created this huge conglomerate called World Wrestling Entertainment that millions of people love. People would travel from other countries to go to a WrestleMania. It was yeah. a beautiful thing. And it was on top of the world. It put He put a wrestling organization out of business and all that. But he didn't say, hey, my day in the sun's over. I'm going to leave now. And he stayed. The same guy who, was cre who created WWE was tearing it apart. Yeah. And that's part of the – and that's what I'm saying. It's that ego. You know, yeah. when he was worth twenty, when he was worth twenty billion dollars, he should have said, "You know what? I'm gonna go." But he just kept staying. He's, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing, and he didn't want to change with the times. Yeah, well, like with each pay per view, you remember in the beginning they would always say, "Like uh, coming live from so many countries." Yeah, it's, Vince 
created a monster. Like no one could ever take that away from him. It went from just I remember watching WrestleMania one on closed circuit television. Uh, I, I was I went to Boston and I paid to sit in an arena and watch a big screen of wrestling. It went from that to now 15,000 countries can watch WrestleMania now. It's yep. it's it's crazy. Like No one can ever take that away from him, but also, like, I think Vince should have stepped down 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, like, we can't take it away from him, but also, like you said, the same guy who created it was, towards the end, was tearing it apart because he's getting rid of all these amazing talents like uh Keith like you mentioned Keith Lee Keith Lee I mean this guy flies around like a cruiserweight and then they they put him with the bearcat Keith Lee like and they change his music and they change and then they were calling they were cutting all wrestlers first names off it was Matt Riddle now it's Riddle it's it's it got crazy towards the end because People want to know these characters. They don't want to know that they they want to know who Matt Riddle is. They want to know who uh, Johnny Gargano is, not just Gargano or Johnny or whatever they were calling him for that. Or theory, short yeah. Or theory, yeah. Like I, I love Theory's character. Like, but just calling me, Theory sounds yeah. dumb. Yeah, but to me, Theory, if, if you give him that Austin back, I think he could definitely be one of the best heels in. In the business right now, I mean, sometimes one name worked. <laughs> Edge yeah. worked, Christian yeah. worked, Undertaker worked, Batista worked. But if he, he used his real name, oh, I'm Dave Batista. Okay, I agree. Dave Batista wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, Dave was, you know, but just Batista. But you know, <laughs> like you know, Steve Austin. That's not his real name, but it yeah. still it you know it worked. He wasn't just called Austin. Of course, there towards the end, every time he was referred with Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. But, yeah, I don't know what Vince had against first names. It's like he was like the first name killer. I don't, I don't yeah. you know. Yeah, I think it was <clears throat> – I, I saw a tweet recently about three weeks ago from the Blue Meanie. Uh, and the Blue Meanie was – he had a, a, a plead with Triple H. Please give all these guys back their full names. <laughs> and – there was so many retweets from guy like guys like Theory was retweeting it like so they're basically saying yeah hell yeah like I want my real name back and so like it it took a guy like Blue Meanie to bring this to the forefront yeah I mean Triple H Triple Triple H rolls off the tongue better than Paul Levesque or even when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley I hated that name yeah. I like oh, when they I, I, I love the character though. I love the Hunter Hearst oh, yeah. character. He was a blue blood. And he was always he was like a Stephen Regal or William Regal. Yeah, yeah that so. poor guy though. Look at look at what he did. He's got a mind for wrestling. He came in. He carried he carried Shawn Michaels bags. He carried uh, uh, Diesel's bags. He carried you know Xbox bags. He was doing all that stuff, and then he was starting to be someone. Is Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Yeah. And then they did that the curtain call that year when they were leaving to go to WCW, and they all hugged in the ring and broke kayfabe, yeah. and then yeah. they all left. And because Shawn Michaels was the champion, they couldn't punish him, so they punished Triple H. The first yeah. thing that happened to him after that was he got squashed by the uh, Ultimate Warrior, 
at uh, yeah. I think it was SummerSlam, maybe I don't yeah, remember. And, which and he wrestled. He did the hog pen match with uh, Henry yes. Godwin. Yes, they punished him, but he yeah. took it. He took it and he stuck around. And now look at him. See, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You can't Triple H. You can you can you can dog on him. You could say whatever you want, but the guy knows wrestling, and he's a worker. He works. Yeah. He truly is. I think. He's a worker. I I I think he's a. I've always liked Triple H. I've all yeah. the stories I've always heard about him. Do I've always been like, ha, ah, it's just backstage politics. I don't think that's the truth. I'll never know because I'm not in the business. But here's my thing. It goes along with. I think I've said this before on the show. It goes along with actors and singers. It goes with wrestlers too. If you're a face and you have me cheering you, you've done your job. If you're a heel and you have me hating you and booing you. You've done your job. Yeah. Whatever else you do in this world, I don't care. You're a wrestler. I don't care what you did backstage. I don't care what you did at the, you know, at the, uh, uh, at the, 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 at a concert or at a movie theater. I yeah. don't care that you got caught peeing in an alley somewhere. You're a wrestler. You wrestle. Yeah. If you do that, I don't have a problem with you. I don't need to know everything else. Do I do I like to hear their old school stories? Well, yes, those are cool stories. But do what you want to do, be yourself. As long as you're entertaining me, I don't care. And that's how I am with Triple H. Whatever he does backstage ain't my business. I'm not back there. Well, I, speaking of, uh, I, I had mentioned Stephen Regal. I was just watching a YouTube video on the day that Stephen Regal made Goldberg look bad, and everybody knew what was going to happen. It was the match uh, when Goldberg was still in the midst of his undefeated streak, and he was booked against Steven Regal. And everybody who, who knew Steven Regal was like, yeah, he's not going to let him just, like, spare him in a five-second match over. And Steven Regal ended up getting fired after that because he made Goldberg look bad. You know, at that time, oh, the Goldberg was the unstoppable machine. Uh, 30 second, 40 second matches, and Steve Regal made him wrestle like, like six minutes or something like that. <laughs> and when he, I guess when he got back to the locker room, like he was basically told, like, here are your walking papers and see you later. But they they were interviewing some of the guys, and everybody admitted they knew that Steve Regal wasn't going to lay down. Goldberg, I'll tell you this story real quick. Goldberg, I, 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 when he debuted on uh, Nitro, I I was like Hugh, Mor awesome. Hugh Morris. Hugh Morris. Yeah. He I'm like he he's got that stone cold look, but he looks tougher. And I was getting into it so much so that I went to uh, we had this store in Kentucky called Roses, and they had a Goldberg shirt on sale, and I bought it. But anyway, I was playing as Goldberg, watching Goldberg all the time. I never missed Nitro. I was playing as Goldberg on my WCW versus the the uh, versus NWO. the world. Yeah, and I was, you know, Goldberg was everywhere in my house because I, I hadn't seen anything like this in a while. Now, I knew his numbers kept getting bigger, and I knew they weren't real numbers because I knew he didn't wrestle five times between last week, so I know the numbers were fake, but I didn't care. Yeah. So I was watching it. Well, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's in her 20s now, 20, 25, I think. She used to call him Goldberger. Because she was just a little girl, and she yeah. was because she was born in '95, and this was, you know, this was what '97, uh, I think. Yeah, so she wasn't that old, and she kept saying Goldberger, Goldberger, and she would watch the matches, 
And I would put her in a jackhammer and slam her on the bed, and she loved it. Well, she had a stroke. When she when Goldberg was in the WWE, she had a stroke. Wow. And we don't know why, but she had a stroke. Uh, and to this day, she she still they did an MRI on her a couple years ago to check on it, and she still has dead spots in her brain. So she had a stroke, but she loved Goldberg. So I sent an email to the WWE because she liked Kane too, because Kane was cool. He had the mask, he made the fire. I sent yeah. a letter to I sent an email to Goldberg and I sent an email to WWE. WWE never ever once emailed me back. Goldberg's manager mailed me back and said, Look, um, I asked him if he could send my daughter an autograph. Now, I don't blame him for this. His manager emailed me. I still have the emails. I uh, printed them out. His manager emailed me and said, look, I need to know your daughter's name. I need to know her doctor's name because people can scam for autographs that they could turn yeah. around and sell. So he, he goes, cause he'll only do a personalized picture. I said, that's fine. I'm not looking for, I, this is literally for my daughter. So I gave yeah. him all the information. I got an email back. Uh, he, uh, from Goldberg and he goes, yeah, I'm just sending you an email real quick to let you know, that I'm sending your daughter a picture that's autographed. Um, I'm going to mail it out. I don't have a lot of time to say anything right now because I'm backstage at Raw, but I'm taking care of it. So I just wanted to let you know. So I don't know how long it's going to take. And sure enough, shortly thereafter, I don't remember how long, but she got an autographed picture. We still have it, still framed. Um, and so I can never, that guy, I can never hate him. I can yeah. never hate him because he didn't have to do that. This big multimedia company, and I yeah. sent it to the public relations saying my daughter likes Kane. Could she get something, you know, and, and to help her with her healing? And they, they never emailed me back or nothing. But Goldberg, his manager emailed me back the same day I sent the email. And then he got back. So that man has a heart of gold. Goldberg can't do no wrong in my eyes because he helped a little girl who had a stroke and put a smile on her face. So he he's always I, I i won't listen to when people start talking bad i just i close my phone i close my lap i don't listen to it because it's not well, true it's just them being upset because he was in the right place at the right time and became a star he's yeah. a great guy oh uh, that, that actually brings me back to what i was gonna say earlier is you know guys like uh well your, your goldberg story is great um but john cena too you know john cena does a lot for the people outside of wrestling with uh the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I mean, they said that he broke the record for most appearances for Make-A-Wish Foundation. And these are guys that, you know, they have busy lives. And But John, John Cena, Goldberg, um, who is another one that makes a lot of appearances? I know Kane makes a lot of appearances for, like, uh, children at the hospital. It's They take time out of their lives to, to make another kid to feel special, another kid to feel like they're loved by people. And I think yep. I just posted a video. I wish I sent that to Mike. Uh, I would just post a video on my, uh, my TikTok the day that uh, John Cena and Sting were in the ring. And after the match, uh, John Cena addressed a young lady in the audience who was seven years old and uh, announced that she just beat the fight against cancer. And he he wanted to thank her for being so tough and thanked her for being their guest today. And then he went out there and like met everybody she was with and then hugged them and 
it was a great moment. Like that's what people don't recognize about wrestlers and and like wrestling fans is in, in a way we're all connected because like that uh, that appearance with, with that seven year old girl that 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 must have meant the world to her. And same with if you remember that Connor Mahalik story with with uh, with uh, Connor who was fighting cancer and the one that died. He, yeah. Yeah, he wanted to meet Daniel Bryan, and then uh, he can't. They said like two days before WrestleMania, they let Connor come down in like his wrestling gear, and he wrestled Triple H, and he knocked out Triple H. And I yeah. remember his father saying, "For this is the first time in four years that I forgot that my son had cancer." Yeah, because he has so much energy. They said that he he usually requires assistance. And he was doing all this and smiling and, you know, and then he got to be at WrestleMania and they said the first person to, to greet him was Daniel Bryan. After Daniel won the championship, the first person he went to thank was Connor. And people forget that about wrestling is, yeah, it's entertainment, but these guys are human too. And they have human, human emotions and what they do for especially children it's second to none. It really is. Yeah, and the old school guys, because of the way things were back then, they couldn't do that because you yeah. couldn't have a heel go to a children's hospital. So a lot of the guys back in the day, they donated money. They couldn't. They didn't go see kids, but they would donate to like the Shriners Hospital and you know yeah. other kids organizations. So you know, I wrestlers. Yes, there are some wrestlers out there who are the who are are, are just big ass fucking cocks and the, and they fucking suck ass and they're jackasses. Yes. But there's all people like that. Yes. But the majority of wrestlers do good things and yeah. try to do good things. Um, some of these guys are the biggest teddy bears in the world. It's you know, it just depends on the person. But yeah, yeah the majority of them, yeah, they have they have good hearts. They, I mean, they they help each other out. They help other people, and and you can't you know, and you can't ask for anything more. I mean, there's some celebrities out there who don't do shit for nobody. But that's the other thing too, though. We don't know what they do. Because yeah. there could be so, you know, there. I donate to charity, but I don't go and tell anybody because, they, like all those people who go feed homeless, who film themselves doing it. What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? You're doing this to get credit. Go feed those homeless guys. Leave your phone in the car. I get. Yeah. It, it means it, it'll it will mean more if you just do it without credit. If you're looking yeah. for credit, that's sh shame on you. Don't use. Yeah, exactly. Shame, yes, yeah. I was just gonna say that shame on you. Yeah. If you want to donate to charity, donate to charity. You don't got to tell anybody. I mean, there's some of, there's some people out there that I can't stand, but I know they donate to charity. So it's like, oh, I don't like that guy. He's a jackass, but he does good by donating to charity. Oh, he does? Yeah. yeah he just doesn't tell anybody because it's, you know, personal business. Yeah, yeah. I don't, if you're, you, you, if you're doing something good and you want people to know about it, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. A little kid's gonna say, "Hey, mom, look, I clean this." Okay, that's different. It's a little kid. You know, my wife comes home. I don't tell her all the time. Oh, hey, hey, look, look, I did the laundry while you were gone. Oh, oh, hey, honey, look, look, I cleaned the toilet while you're. I don't do that. Why? Yeah. Because I don't need credit for it. So don't do it when you go to give charity or feed the homeless. Just go do it. Just go do it. Yeah. The only reason Cena. And the only reason we know he holds the record for the most wishes is because we're in a society where celebrities have cameras on them. I'm sure yeah. Cena has done stuff that we don't even know about. Gone oh, to a I, private I hospital. And seen, 
Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we know he's done stuff, but I'm sure he's done a lot more that we don't know. I'm sure yeah. he's written some checks to some organizations that we do not know about. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. It, it's, it, it's, it's, I get why they followed him around because it helped WWE's image, but he, I'm sure he's done plenty of stuff where he hasn't got credit for it. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, on, and it wasn't on camera. Right. And he hasn't asked for it. So it's like, like I saw a video clip the other day of Roman Reigns making eye contact with this little kid. And this little kid gave him a mean mug face and he gave him a double look. And then later on in the ring, he looked at the kid and went. So it was Roman Reigns playing with this little kid in the arena. And it was yeah. beautiful. I, I, I'll yeah. say it. It was beautiful. I like watching them when they see the kids and they make them smile out there. It's, yeah. it's great. And you can just tell. Roman Reigns is probably a nice guy. Yeah, if I bun rushed him, hey, will you sign this? Hey, hey, you're the best. Help me get you sign this. I, I deserve to get punched in the fucking nose. But yeah. it doesn't mean he's a bad person. It just means I'm a dickhead who got all up in his shit. I got, you know, he got snotty with me. People bum rush these celebrities all the time. They're like, oh, I tried to get a Bret Hart, a Bret Hart, and he fucking told me off. He's such yeah. a dick. I don't like him anymore. <clears throat> Did you ever well, the, think not to bum rush him in the first place? Well, the two nicest wrestlers I've ever met was uh, Junkyard Dog, rest his soul. And um, his, his, this one will surprise you. The Warlord. I have a picture of me and the Warlord. And he was the nicest guy. Like He literally had a 20-minute conversation with me about wrestlers. Because he's got, he's like, I, I'm like you. I grew up a wrestling fan, so he was telling me how, like how he got into watching wrestling, and it was cool. Like that, he took his time because he had a line. He had a line of people waiting, and he even apologized like a couple times. He's like, "I'm sorry, guys. I just like to get to know my fans." And and to me, like that was the greatest thing is to have a an actual conversation with with a guy that I watched every day. And, and then, see, that was the thing back in the day. I, you, wrestlers weren't like they are today. They were more actually accessible. Uh, if you had, you know, if there was a guy who lived in, like Dusty Rhodes, I had seen him before walking. I've seen him at a store. Uh, Cody went to school. His son went to school um, in the, in the, in the, in the city I was born in. So when I was a kid, I would see these wrestlers because they, a lot of them, you know, Georgia champions, some, a lot of them lived in the South. And had a property, and I would see them from time to time. And you'd be yeah. like, "Mom, look, mom, look, it's Dusty Rhodes. Look, look, look." And she'd say, "That's nice, dear. That's nice." But I never went up to him. But kids, sometimes kids would be, you know, "Are you Dusty Rhodes?" And he would talk to you for a few minutes, and then you'd go, "Oh, he, he, he," and you'd run off because you thought it was cool. Yeah, they were more accessible now. They're like uber celebrities. Back then, they were only celebrities to wrestling fans. Yeah, you know, if you didn't watch wrestling. If you didn't know anything about wrestling and you ran across Dusty Rhodes or Ric Flair in a, in a, in a, in a grocery store or a restaurant, you wouldn't. Yeah. It's just another dude sitting there. But exactly. for a wrestling fan, they were royalty even back then. And but they were a little bit easier to get to. You didn't, you know, because they didn't get hounded as much back then as they do now. Yeah. So they were a little more open to talk to you if you wanted to. But. Nowadays, they're uber celebrities. They got TV shows. They do movies, so they still get flocked. And, you know, I feel bad for them on one hand, but if you want to be a celebrity and rich and famous, then you got to be prepared for paparazzi. 
So if you don't like it, then stay away from the limelight. You know what I mean? Well, when I was a younger kid, my, my father worked at a furniture store. And it, this was in Worcester, Massachusetts. And Worcester had their own arena there. Uh, so WWF would come there quite a bit. And the furniture store sponsored the arena. So they would get certain you know, accolades. So one time WWF comes to town and my dad's like, my dad was into wrestling, but he, he was more like Bruno San Martino era. Uh, so he was like, Oh yeah, we're going to have an appearance by a wrestler today. And I'm like, I'm like thinking like, Oh my God, the Hulk Hogan's coming, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, but it was actually Hillbilly Jim and Hillbilly Jim was the nicest. He's another nice dude. Like, and, He's like, he's like, you're going to be at the show today? I was like, hell yeah, I am. And uh, <laughs> the owner of the furniture store had, had several tickets. He, he knew nothing about, like, seating. So he goes, he goes, Bobby, that's what they called me back then. Bobby, do you want these uh, tickets, like, 20-something floor, or do you want the the box seats? I'm like, I want the box seats because that's, that's where you get service and you can – you could use the corporate account and get as much as you want. <laughs> so, box. I, was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I'll take the box seats. I'll, I'll let you have the good seats. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I get there. I'm ordering T-shirts. <laughs> I'm ordering, hmm. like, hot dogs, nachos, sodas, and everything is <laughs> delivered to you. That You had, like, like, an usher bring everything to you. So, I... I like two weeks later, my boss—he—he he was also my boss, by the way. My boss was like, "You—you you put four hundred dollars on the corporate account. <laughs> you sit. You gave me the tickets. Yeah, you gave me the tickets. He's like, so he goes. Next time, I'm taking the box seats. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, but Hillbilly Jim was. Uh, yeah, he wrestled. Uh, let's see who I think he wrestled. Um, Cowboy Bob Orton that day. Okay. So, and that was that the was man with the, Did Bob or did Cowboy Bob Orton have, still have a cast on his arm? Yeah, I think he still has a cast on his arm. <laughs> that dude, that dude had that, I love he always used it. And I remember them being like he'd be doing promos. Well, I had some x-rays done and uh I have to keep my cast on a little bit longer, but you could see the cut where he could was taking it off and then putting it back on. But yeah, he, you know, he's like, I, I can still wrestle, but I got to. I mean, you know how many matches he helped him and Paul Orndorff and all them win because yeah. of that stupid cast. Mister Wonderful, Rob yeah. Mahoney, I mean Paul Orndorff. Uh, that geez, Paul Orndorff, man, he went. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but I know he was in the hospital. He he, he is alive right now. Yes, he's got. He don't know who he is anymore. Uh, yeah, he's got that. He's he's like he's like a he's the. I remember this big, huge, powerful man, you know, on the cover of the wrestling album, just all uh, doing his muscles. And now he's like two, you know, like 20 pounds. It's like, I, I can't, it, it breaks my heart to see him. I can't do it. I can't see pictures yeah. of him. Just like Bobby, the Heen, Bobby Heenan in his last years with his chin being gone. And I just, yeah. I can't, I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I remember seeing him at the hall when he got inducted to the hall of fame how strong he was to make an appearance and still give a speech, even though you could see he was struggling. Yeah. Uh, but yep. yeah, these, it's, that's the sad thing, Paul is, you know, these guys that we grew up in the seventies and eighties, how fragile a lot of them have become or are not even with us anymore. 
And, uh, you know, you grew, you grew up thinking that these guys are family. And to me, they still are. Like, these guys yeah. are still family. And so when one person, you know, passes, it affects me. Yeah. So. The, the hardcore legend himself, Terry Funk, his wife had to put him in a home. Yeah. Because he was, the Alzheimer's was getting too severe. So he's in a nursing home. And it's sad. I haven't seen any photos of him, but I mean, just, you know, Terry Funk's that, you know, he's like, Terry Funk, he's a legend, a yeah. pure legend. It, I mean, he, he was wrestling when he was still in his 70s or 60s. I don't know how old he yeah, was. Yeah, and he, he was doing hardcore matches at, at yeah. ECW. Yeah, and he was old. I mean, he was yeah. wrestling back in the, him and his dad. His dad owned a territory he's been wrestling for so long. Dory yeah. Funk, he had his, you yeah. know, because it was, Dory was dad. Dory Funk Jr. was his brother and then him. And his dad owned had his own territory and boom. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I just, it's every day I'm seeing people my age posting stuff. Oh, so-and-so's dead now. So-and-so's dead now. And it's like all the people that me and you grew up watching, their times come. Yeah. You know, and so all these people we grew up on are going to start dropping like flies. And it's going to, it's going to depress us because for one, we're losing them like Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. And, 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 but it's also telling me and you. You're not getting any younger there either, buddy. You yeah. know, I'm not famous, so I won't get a post. Oh, rip me. I won't get anything like that. But I know I'm coming. My day's coming because theirs are too, you know? Yeah. So. Yes. I, I just want to say you guys may not get a post, you know, an <laughs> RIP post, but you will get something. You'll get this. <laughs> oh, yes. Randy Christ. <laughs> Randy Christ. Who's next? Who's next? Poe Christ. (laughs) I'm making an offer. He can't refuse. And as I commented, on his post, I said, because I looked at the comment again when I when I just saved that video, I said, I won't refuse any offer you make with a winky face. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I got to, I'll have to comment on that later. I, but, I, <laughs> but to answer a question you said earlier, and I think I said the same uh, answer to why we love wrestling so much, because these guys are family in a way. Yeah. You you go to a concert to see ACDC or Rush or or whoever you like. You're a a world away in that arena. Even when you're up close, you're a world away. But when it came to wrestling, it just felt like they would do stuff. And then I I swear he made eye contact with me, Mom. I swear he he pointed at me. I don't feel that in a concert. But, you know, and it it felt more – wrestling felt like personal. More, More personal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like so. the 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 death that hit me the hardest was uh, Roddy Piper. But, uh, yeah, because you know, I I like I said I watched the WrestleMania one on closed caption, and Roddy Piper was part of that with uh, Mr. T and uh, Cowboy Bob and Hulk Hogan, and yeah. I'm like when he died, I literally like, and I'm not afraid to say this, I cried. I I literally fucking cried. 
that one of my yep. heroes growing up is now is now gone. Yep. So, but P- Piper Piper was the first wrestler that I felt crossed that line with the uh, main with in mainstream because he did a lot of cheesy movies, but before he did cheesy movies, he did They Live. Yeah, and that's a classic movie not everybody likes it it's got its moments where you're like but it's he he was the first one i mean yeah hulk hogan was in was in uh was thunderlips in rocky three but it was a very short short he did until what was it mr nanny what was his first movie uh Uh, uh, was it suburban no it was uh no holes no holes barred yeah that's when that's when hogan crossed the line to mainstream but Piper did it first, I think. Was didn't Piper do it first, or did Hogan do it first? I think it was Piper. Okay. I was sad. I was sad when he died too. But I saw one of his last interviews, and it looked like he had a hard time uh, putting thoughts together, and he yeah. was forgetting. They would ask a question, and he would start, and then he would get lost. So there was something wrong up there. Yeah, it was. But I didn't see it then. You know. You see the last interview, you're like, oh, that was a great interview. And then he dies a week later, and then you're like, wait a minute. And you go back and look at the – and you're like, okay, I see it now. I didn't see it then, but I see it now. It's a shame that, you know, that I just – yeah, it was it was sad. It was sad. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be sad when Hulk, when Hulk Hogan dies. I don't yeah. know if it's going to affect – I don't know if it's going to affect me like, you know, like I cry like a baby when the warrior died because that was like yeah. bad timing. You know. I saw that coming though because you remember his last interview on Raw. Yeah, he looked bad. He, he his looked face bad. Was so and, red. No, he made a speech where he said, "No matter what happens, there'll always be a warrior in you." It's like he knew and, he was sick. Yeah, I think he knew he was dying because, like, literally twenty four hours later, he was gone. Yeah, it and was that tore it me was up. Spook- yeah, it was spooky. Fi- 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 finally, made up with Vince. Got into the Hall of Fame, covered the video game. I was like, man, things are looking up for the Warrior. Yeah, he may not wrestle again, but we may see him come on and cut some of those famous promos. And then he died. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I cried when he died. I, I cried. Me and the wife, we teared up. It was it was sad. And, of course, the other one that affected me was because I watched the pay-per-view was Owen Hart. It was uh, He was uh, wrestling at yep. Over the Edge. and Yep. That we, as the blue as the blue blazer, yes. And I remember after like he was supposed to make his descent, they cut away to um to Gorilla Monsoon, and uh, Gorilla Monsoon was trying to you know do the his whole thing. And oh, no, was it no? It was Jim Ross? Sorry, it was Jim Ross. Jim Ross. And two matches later is when they announced it and. You know, at first you think you're you're thinking as a wrestling fan, oh, this is just a this is just a ploy, this is a storyline. But then you were looking at him and, Jer- and Jerry Lawler too. Jerry Lawler's face told it all, like he he was holding back tears. And oh, you yeah. know, when when Jim Ross said, "You know, folks, this is not part of the story," uh, but I have the unfortunate uh, task of letting everybody know that Owen passed, and I literally lost it, like. Like he, Owen never got the credit, and no. that you remember that show that they had the week later when they did the the tribute show to him. 
Yep. How, how many people were crying in their interviews? Like yep. Triple H was crying. Uh, of course, Ray and Chris Benoit were crying, and that's I a whole. That. That's a whole. That's a, no, whole, another whole episode right there. Yeah. But <laughs> I have but, that. Uh, I have that DVD that WWE released on Owen yeah. Hart, and it's got all the. All the tributes that they filmed for it is in that DVD, and it just brought you know Jeff Jarrett and Deborah cried the hardest, man. Yeah, and Mark Henry, Mark Mark Henry, yeah, he was inducted in the Hall of Fame. Mark Henry said that he wishes everybody could stop fighting so he could be in the Hall of Fame. Mark Henry was really close to him, and he still cries to this day when he thinks about it. That's why I think that Owen Hart thing they had in AEW. I think Mark Henry helped with that because yeah, he he. I agree. I'm one of those guys who says, yes, I feel WWE is responsible for his death. So is the guy who did the harness and everything. But she can be mad all she wants and because she has that fucking right. But she needs to let the people who loved her husband for what he did still get to, you know, to see his stuff. Yeah. That's why she should have, you know, done something on her own a long time ago. Of a DVD of his matches or something, just to give the fans something, you know, to to, to hold on to to say, you yeah. know, Owen. So I'm glad she did what she did. I just wish she hadn't waited so long. But I, I'm totally on her side about not wanting WWE to profit. I get that. I get yeah. that wholeheartedly. But she shouldn't have turned her back on the wrestling fans. But I get it. It was your husband, father of your children. Yeah, I I wouldn't know the, the feeling of that loss. So you, you got to let her heal, yeah. and if it takes 20, 30 years, you got to let it go. But I'm just glad she finally gave in and at least did it with some wrestling organization instead of doing. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of yeah. I'm glad she did finally, even though it was just an Owen Hart Cup. He's going to be in the AEW game. She gave permission for him to be in the AEW game, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, so you get to see some cool matches there. Yeah, uh, but the two things I remember about what everybody says was how of a character he was, as far as like making people laugh and pulling pranks, and how much he loved his family. Yeah, and and so, and him and Mick Foley were the cheapest bastards on the road. They they would they would they would hey can I ride with you hey can I stay with you Owen had this. Owen had this one family on the East Coast somewhere that they were just fans, but he slept on their couch every time he came through town. Yeah. They were just fans. They, he didn't even know them from Adam, but they were fans. They got to talking, and he asked, you know, can I crash on your couch? And and, and then he every he did it every time. When they would be in that city, boom. I think it might have been Baltimore, I think. Yeah. He always slept on their couch. I was like, damn, that is a cheap bastard. But those are the kind of stories that – he was planning on Owen planned on wrestling for a certain amount of time and saving every bit of his money so he could spend the rest of his days just at home with his wife and his kids yeah. and his grandkids. He he had he, a plan. He did, he did it for he did it for a reason. Right. So but now his son his I think his his wife ended up going to school. She's a doctor, a literal she's a doctor, not a not one that cuts on you or anything. I think she's a psychologist, but she's a doctor. I think the daughter is a lawyer, and I think the son, I don't know. They, 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 his, his family is, they are successful in their own right. They, you know, they, they took that loss and moved on and moved with it, and they're successful. Um, they're not rich and famous, but 
they still if he was alive today he'd be proud of them so that's you know that's all that i think matters there uh what was i gonna say about owen too is uh he was such like even when he was the heel he was so entertaining to watch i remember seeing him in a match against uh jarrett and jarrett was supposed to be the good guy and he's Owen kept doing the funniest things in the ring and people would just start to cheer him and then he would turn on the face like, shut up! Yeah, I wish I knew who it was. Owen was wrestling somebody and he got him in a hold and it was a house show, so it wasn't on, I don't think it was on TV. I'd have to look it up and see. You, you could probably look it up yourself when we're done. Um, he had him in a hold and while he had him in the hold... He untied his boots and tied them up together. And then when he let him out of the hole, the guy stood up and fell back down because his boots were tied. Yeah. And he was like, the fuck did he just, you know, it's like, I can't believe he just did this to me. Yeah, he was the biggest practical. Any wrestler back in his day will say Owen was the biggest rib. He did ribs left and right, they said. he was. That was what he was famous for, that being cheap. Well, I, I don't know if I told you, but I'm, I'm trying to come up with an idea for a new wrestling um, wrestling uh, promotion, and I think I have it. It's going to be called the CWA, the Crippled Wrestling Alliance, and it's going to be a match between Michael J. and Crippled Cody. Cody's going to whip that ass. Cody's yeah. going to whip that ass. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Crippled Wrestling Alliance. They'd be the only two in it. I don't know any other cripples. What the fuck? <laughs> well, well, Mike can get some of his former guests from the Tales from the Crips to be uh, managers in other uh, performers. Yes, and we can throw snowballs. I, wait, at wait, him. wait! I have another. I have a. I have a a a, a member or a guest for the the Crippled Wrestling Alliance. Hey, don't you walk away from me. You don't know who you're dealing with. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever. <laughs> no more no more suitable timing for that one. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up since we're heavying into the new age. And I want to save that for a later date. So I'll leave it at uh, my final thoughts on. I'll give my final thoughts, and then I'll let you give yours, and then we can right. plug whatever. Um, but, yeah, I just it, I just liked the, the small arena feel. I liked uh, feeling like I'm close to the wrestlers. It was personal. Um, I just love the stories. They were classic. I love the promos. I just love the build. There's just wrestling all in general. Just I just love it to death. I wish it they could bring some of the aspects of old school into the new. Uh, but with that being said, uh, yeah, though, that's how I felt about, you know, that's just some of my thoughts there in old school wrestling. So whatever, what do you, what, what you got? My, my final thoughts is I, I agree with you about the small arenas. Um, when ECW came around and was really hitting its stride, they started taking tours because most of their shows were all out of Philadelphia, but then they were actually able to do, like uh, road shows, and I got to see them a couple times in uh, Revere, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. It was a little uh, Greyhound arena. It was like Greyhound Park where they race dogs. 
and they would rent out two of the rooms, and they had a concession stand, and all the wrestlers entered into the same area as the fans did. So you would see, like, uh, the FBI come by you, and you would have uh, Taz walk there, and um, so I was going up the escalator, and I was standing behind Rob Van Dam, and I was like, to my nephew, I was like, hey, that's Rob Van Dam in front of us. So I was like, hey, Rob, and he is just as cocky as he appears on TV. He goes, yeah. <laughs> Not high. Yeah. So I was like, who are you wrestling today? I was like, he's like, oh, I think I'm wrestling Taz. I was like, well, good luck with that. He goes, I don't need luck, kid. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I missed that. And then during the show, it was uh, New Jack's first appearance back in Massachusetts because of that whole um, mass transit accident where he almost killed a man. And yes. So he, was, he was banned from uh, Massachusetts for two years. So it was his first appearance back with the gangsters. And uh, after the show, I see him walking up to the concession stand. So what does Rob do? He follows him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I never, and I never been called a nigger, a nigger before. But I was called. Uh, he's like, "What up, my nigger?" <laughs> that that's another wrestler who, in real, was the same in real life as he was on. Yes. He was a crazy bastard. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I used the silent uh, a there. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. I so, can see uh, him saying that to you. Yeah. So he, but he was really nice. Like. Uh, uh, he bought me a drink. He's like, you drink? And I was like, yeah, I drink. So he's like, he goes, give this man anything he wants. So I got a uh, Budweiser. And then we did like the whole Sandman. We we hit, oh. we hit, can't, we hit uh, the cups together. Oh, so that was man. cool. Like they were very personable. Like, and even the Sandman wrestled that night. And uh, they came up into the arena. So they were fighting on the steel chairs, the old school steel chairs. And uh, Sandman poured beer on me, and this is after I just had the beer with uh, uh, the <laughs> New Jack. So it was very personal, and that's what I miss. I, I miss being up close and personal with the with the wrestlers. Yes, I do too. I do too. Well, this was fun. This was fun. Do you have anything um, to plug? Um, before I plug anything, I would kindly like uh, Michael Jada. Lay down that uh, Patreon there at the bottom of the page so people can uh, see where to go to either do the $2 tier or the $5 tier. And uh, we can go get exclusive stuff. You can go over to Patreon, check it out. It still hasn't popped up yet. I'm sure he's working on it. There we go. Uh, Patreon.com backslash rabbit and red radio network one. It's right there. Yeah. And read this go on there and it tells you exactly what you get for each tier and it helps out because we're trying to expand we're trying to go places we're not trying to go to mars or to the moon but we're trying to go places and some money helps but are we trying to go Um, to uranus well according to what i've been hearing here recently poe does already i'm sure michael j would really love poe to visit his uranus because of all those movie posters so yes, there is somebody's going. Somebody wants a trip to Uranus. It's not me, but somebody does. So, uh, 
shit. Well, let's see. Oh, and don't forget, I don't know, it's like 20,000 hyphens, but we have the Rabbit and Red TV. I think Poe's getting ready to take over here pretty soon, and Lord, Lord help us all, but it's going to be his programming. Um, well, see, he's got to get with me about what he wants programmed, or else there won't be a Poe takeover. So we have to see how that's going to go. Maybe that is post takeover. Nothing. Just a weekend of blank. Just to waste just, your well, money. Just, to just like just, just like his content on the show. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, no. This 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 is is. No, he is, he said that. He said his show is about nothing. The newer dwells. <laughs> well, here. This is what the near dwells is about. You ready? Here it is. Wow. Man, Poe, what a um, guy. We love you, Poe. I, I did just want to mention, because I know that we're... Um, I don't think there's another show this week, so at mid, no, at 12.40 Eastern, 11.40 Pacific <laughs> tonight, somewhere around there, I don't know the exact time, but um, is the uncut version of Friday the 13th Part 2 on the channel so it will have all the gore shots cut back into the film awesome and tomorrow night starting at seven mm, you'll have to check the guide for the exact time but it's around 7 30 tomorrow night (coughs) the uncut friday the 13th part two and then following that is the uncut and extended friday four on the channel. Do you need to check uh, those out? Do you need to check those out? Rabbit and Red TV. Rabbit and Red TV. You can go to the site to to get to it because I think it's like, I don't know if he's shortened it, but it's got like 20 million hyphens in there. It's like enough hyphens to fill uh, uh, an adoption home or a children's home. Hyphen, 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 hyphen. So... It's it's not shortened, but there is. If you go to rabbitandredradio.com, there is a um, a link on the top of the page that just says Rabbit and Red TV. If you click on that, it'll take you right there. There you go. So check out that. Check out the the Friday Thirteenth cuts. I know you'll enjoy them. And as for me, just the usual. Um, you know, every Saturday, I music the music moment over at B Movie TV only on Roku. And sometimes I'm on Sundays on Sci-Fi Sideshow. And if it's not me, then, of course, it's the other obvious choice, Mr. Poe. So I'm there. And then I've got uh, this show, which I'm not going to plug because I'm on it now. Um, at some point, I guess me and Poe will have a new uh, uh, film, so long, I for- film Junkies. It's been so long, I forgot the name <laughs> of the damn show. Yes, Film Junkies. I guess at some point we'll do that. And then at some point I might do something with Cody, Cripple Cody. So I don't know. But uh, and then I got my channel here on it's just like I said, just starting out. Don't have a lot of videos. I'm not I'm not world famous yet. Like Rob over here with his 15K over or 1500 over on TikTok and 700 videos. But I got my own channel. 2000 now. 2000 now. See, Grandpa the Nerd here on YouTube. That's my channel. So that's all I got to plug. So it's off to you. 
so I have uh, on YouTube. I have Father Mahoney. Uh, I just passed my 700th video. Uh, I'm at like 708 right now. Um, Father Mahoney also on TikTok and uh, Rebel Rocker 71 over on uh, Instagram. Uh, I do post it all three of those and. Um, I think we should also plug a future episode. I'm not sure if it's going to be our next episode, but we are planning to have a guest on one of our future episodes, Mr. Cody Robinson. Uh, we are going to do a topic on horror movies. Uh, I think we were, we were talking about uh, early to mid-80s horror movies, if I remember. That way we don't uh, we can save something for another episode. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll let you guys know more about the next show when we know about it. But uh, look for future guests, too, because uh, and if you want to be a guest on either our show or any of the other Rabbit and Radio shows, just reach out to Michael J., uh, myself, Aaron, Paul, whoever you want to reach out to, and we'll see if we can make that happen. You know, because uh, just like wrestling, we're all family here. The Rabbit and Red Radio family. Yep. With 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 Poe being the uh, master deity that we all bow to. Yeah. Poe. I well, I know Michael J. bows to him. So. Yes. And wowie. That's where we're getting the whole Poe sexuals. Poe Poe invented that himself last night. Poe sexuals. And then today I saw a picture of Joey T looking mm-hmm. pretty good. And I said, mm-hmm. now we have Joe sexuals. So mm-hmm. we're getting a little kinky on this rabbit and red here, here recently. It's Poe's fault. And I that mean, redheaded and, and that redheaded God, uh, Joey T y'all, y'all yeah. got to quit teasing. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear like, like Poe, that, that, that fart that just like emits from him. Imagine like, I, I sometimes think I'm like, just right in my face. Just break wind <laughs> right in my face, please. Well, on that uh, note, <laughs> on that note, I uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, have a good night, and we're done. Much love.
Sound off. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.